everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the Old Fashioned Breakdown podcast. We're still alive. Uh, a rewatch podcast for the fantastical TV show Mad Men. My name is Fola Olukumbi. I've seen the show a couple of times and I'm trying to figure out how they wrote this damn thing. Because it's amazing. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, all right. If that's what you think. Um, and my name is Helen Varley. Uh, this is technically my first watch through. I watched today's episode, which is called The Jet Set, approximately 45 minutes ago. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, we're not dead. We've just had a lot going on, shall Life. we say. Life. And also, it takes Fola about an hour. Oh, sorry, not an hour. About a year to write <laughs> the script for each one because he... I mean, you should see the page of notes that I have. And I've said to him... Fola, you can't cover all these things yep. because we'll be here until two in the morning and it's currently half past four or so. In the afternoon. In the afternoon. <laughs> so yeah, um, we'll see how it goes. But in this episode, Peggy stars in a 90s rom-com. Nice. Uh, Duck returns to his old ways. Pete finds new strength, does he? And Don gets everything he's ever wanted. What did you think of the episode, Fola? <laughs> okay. Um... So I think this, so. I think this episode is pretty straightforward. Well, it seems pretty straightforward. How is it? You've just sent me like, like a, an essay about on, how, how all the things happen in the set. I would agree with you. That on it's the very surface, straightforward. On the surface, okay, it's pretty straightforward. Fine. But there's more going on no, underneath the surface, and that's what we're going to talk about in today's show. Right. What did you think of this episode? I do you know what? I've got to be honest. Haven't loved season two. <laughs> no. I feel like. So I have done a little bit of sneaky reading. Apparently it does get better. Yeah, it gets a lot better. And this isn't one of the finer seasons. This is possibly the hardest season to watch. Okay, because I just kind of feel like it's a bit like watching a really... <laughs> it's just... it's. I don't know. There's just something so like... I mean, who doesn't want to be rich and like <laughs> run around, go into exotic locations? And then who wouldn't get there and be like, actually, this is boring as fuck. I just feel like there's nothing in here that I find particularly you know it's nothing's a revelation and i do enjoy a revelation right okay okay uh, so, so this episode specifically it was fine you know it, it was all right but right. i didn't love it okay that's fair enough that's fair enough it's a it, it's a very slow episode and everything you say about <laughs> about him um being rich and not particularly very happy pretty much yeah, it um it, it hangs. And that's all we've got time for this week. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, okay, did you have any sort of anything else that you thought that was going on in it? Or anything so, kind of... I feel like it's a bit like... I feel like it sort of readdresses everyone's kind of like, this is what they want, but the reality of what they want is really very different yeah. um i think it's kind of a bit repetitive i f- do you know what the first scene which is probably where we'll begin just made me want to puke <laughs> jane and roger oh my god she's like lying in bed writing poetry who the fuck does that i'm sorry <laughs> but what's, what's she write about him like, oh i want to be old and have your wisdom i was like <laughs> did you did you have anything did you think of anything about the name the jet set um I mean, it's that whole, it, it it has echoes of a holiday, doesn't it? It's that whole thing of like, when you're going to go on holiday, you're like, I'm going to have the best time 
it's, I'm always going to look amazing. Everything's going to go my way. And then yeah. when you get there, the hotel's shite. <laughs> like, you know, um, things just aren't always what they... They, your dreams or your 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 desires don't always work out the way that you think that they will. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so I, I think for me the jet set is sort of because it's like jet setters, isn't it? It's like mm-hmm. it's it's that kind of view of like it's like those people on Instagram and TikTok who are like we travel and their lives look perfect, but you know yeah, that yeah. they spend they have bed bugs all over their backs and like a fantasy sort. Yeah, of they else. they but it appears like a fantasy. It's like it's almost like an advert for a dream life. Yeah, yeah exactly. But actually, yeah. the reality is very different. So I um so my thoughts on the title are um yeah, I think all that stuff's true, but and I, that's why that's what I mean by on the surface it's quite straightforward because that's pretty much what it is. Mm-hmm. I think, but um also there's this um so like the show's made up of motifs right all the words and all the stuff all the different names and labels that they use in the show they're all co-opted in different ways so they kind of a a word like i don't know um uh i'm trying to think now i can't think of anything to come to mind but something like idea right idea means like an idea that you have in your mind because the, the show kind of gives it another meaning and sort of like idea could mean um uh, a picture in your mind or something just so, mm. just something just kind of like slightly different to what it specifically means right? yeah so in this show the the word um jet has come up loads of times before and every time the word jet is used it's usually used in conjunction with like men and sort of um you know sort of like remember so the 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 um what's the um the spray that they're using Oh, the right, right guard. guard. Yeah, so the right guard was used when remember the ages ago when they were advertising it and they were trying to come up with pictures. Yeah, yeah. They were talking about um, astronauts and jet and how it was like built on jet propulsion. Yeah, yeah. Technology and all that kind of stuff. So, and there's other things as well where just jets come up and it's like in conjunction with like mm-hmm. a lot of male behavior and a lot of sort of like male psyche and stuff like that, right? And essentially, the whole idea for me of this episode isn't just about fantasy in, in general. It's about male fantasy and how men sort of um, fantasize about things in order to get to a place in their lives or, mm. and how fantasy works in their lives. Mm. So it's not all just about just seeing like the dream and sort of wanting the dream. But that's a big part of it. Mm. Um, and obviously, this first scene with Roger and and and, um, and Jane in the in the hotel is basically, I think, the sort of the it's kind of the the base level of that. So it's like you know, Roger is this older man, and the fantasy from for an older man is like a younger woman, and he's kind of living that fantasy. Mm. Um, but do you wanna do you wanna just I like just, rant? I don't get. <laughs> what's in it for her now call me callous yeah but i just feel a bit like like she's a beautiful woman mm-hmm. she's in her early 20s mm-hmm. she could probably have any dashing even like even like a don draper type yeah. she could get and instead she goes for roger with his dodgy ticker and like well, you know his smarmy ways i think she did go for uh don to begin i with. think she did yeah but th- but what i'm saying anything. is like I guess she is a fantasy in her own right, though, isn't she? She, 
that whole first scene is a bit is it's puke worthy because it's almost like one of those old romantic films isn't it where she's in bed writing a poem for him yeah. naked draped in silk sheets <laughs> yeah. you know they're living in this hotel or whatever it is and it's like for him he think he sees that and he thinks right that's going to be what it's like for the rest of my life yeah and it's not going to be like that but you don't and, and i think part of it as well is um uh, you see, you see it from you don't we don't really see it from Jane's point of view. or seeing it from Roger's point of view, and yeah. I and I think it's clear that Jane's really surprised. And I think everything in the in the in the scene is basically Jane kind of like living out a fantasy of her own. Yeah, true. Yeah. And then when he proposes, she's like, uh, "Really?" Because <laughs> she's like, it's like a massive shock to her. She didn't think it would actually be that real. Um, what's really interesting about the scene as well is the way there's two things really one is like how they're all sort of dressed in they're all sort of like you know daubed in white like mm. there's all the white sheets and everything and it's taken me this long in this episode to realise that white anytime a character's wearing white they're usually um, like objectified so like if you think remember you might not remember but like ages ago like the second episode or third episode when Don is sort of like making the dollhouse for, oh, for yeah. Sally and he's like wearing that white t-shirt yeah. and um, Betty's friends like checking him out and sort of like making mm. all these because con- like, he's wearing white so there's loads that of sexy like colour white there's loads of stuff like that um, so there's that and there's also the fact that um, there's a little thing that I'll talk about later but like there's a little camera movement where Roger starts the scene off on the left hand side of the screen and then it moves around and he's on the right hand side of the screen. And I think that kind of signifies something, but we'll talk about that later. Right. Um, but yeah, I just I just think that first scene. So what's going to change about this episode? And we're going to have to sort of like fly through all these different scenes is I think, you know, I like I say like every episode's got like a theme to it. Yeah. And I think it goes deeper than that, obviously. But um, I think I've managed to sort of figure out what each and every uh, scene has uh, what well, each and every scene's theme is as well, so we can be a bit. We can be a bit. You know, we can be a bit more focused, so we don't have to kind of like go all, right. all over the place when we're talking. So, the theme of this one, I think, is about objectification and immaturity, and how um, Jane is kind of how they're both quite immature in that scene. Um, but let's move on to the next one. Um, so the team tried to market right guard. What did you do this? If anything, um, there's some weird questions. In yeah, the, yeah, it's a bit. It was a bit weird. It's very like. First of all, it was a bit weird. Sal's like looking through Playboy, isn't he? Or one, uh, of, the, yeah. one of the scenes, he's like <laughs> looking through a Playboy. I think it's this one. Yeah, he is. So that's weird. And <laughs> then, um, I mean, they seem. It's. It seems like they just don't really have any new ideas. Yeah. Well. When you, you well, they talk about obviously they they, they talk about marketing it to women. Yeah, and yeah. Doing a, a women only thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Um. That's a very good point. Because she's like, oh, well, you you know, they already have a great right guard for men. Mm-hmm. Advert. <laughs> that's a very idea. yeah very interesting point. Um, for me, um, <clears throat> what what keeps coming up in this in this scene? So I think this scene's about procrastination, right? Procrastination is a big part of um, life. <laughs> about love, life, and about and of fantasy as well. Because like I think the big thing about fantasy, um, 
like Lacan and Zizek talk about these things of like how the fact that you can fantasize about something and the reason you don't go for it is because deep in the back of your mind, you know it's not the thing you want and it's not going to make you happy. So oh my God, don't say that. That's, that's <laughs> horrifying. As someone who dreams of being a writer and is, you know, but the, the, the procrastination is an interesting is an interesting thing because it's like the book is written but as i said to you like it's been written for two months and i've submitted it to one publisher and gone oh well i've not heard from e- them exactly so, you exactly because we have this fear that like you know we kind of we don't necessarily always want to um reach out for the things we want because we're not sure what the result's going to be we want it to kind of like fulfill our every desire and, and i think well i think there's also fear of getting it wrong i think there's this whole thing where you and, and perhaps there's echoes towards the end when Don has what I think is a sort of realisation um, about his own life. But I think it's that there's a fear of it, it, it you know, you, you, you won't succeed at it. It won't be what you want. It yeah. won't be. You, it's it's almost better as a fantasy. You're not good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're not good enough. Um, yeah so i think with putting that bigger concept into this it's almost like i feel like they don't want to make a decision because they don't want to get it wrong exactly yeah yeah i agree and um and yeah so i think the whole and and they keep talking about loretta Loretta young in the in the scene and loretta young is this actress from years ago i don't know too much about about like reading about her sort of life in um um wikipedia she kind of basically did a lot of she's kind of she found herself in a lot of situations that were really good, but she always found a way to fuck them up. Mm. So she'd always kind of, she'd get married. She married like about six different people. She kind of like, she, I think she, um, I think she had a child, but then gave it away for adoption, but then wanted to get the child oh back. Oh my and, God. And then like all these kind of like loads and loads of things like where she just like kept changing her mind and stuff. Yeah. She couldn't like make a decision. She couldn't stay in one thing. Um, and yeah, so I think there's a lot of that kind of stuff in there. Um, the thing about Peggy, the interesting thing about Peggy in this scene is like Peggy's wearing a white blouse and she's almost like, she's making the decisions, but they're almost kind of like putting the decisions on her to make them. And she doesn't really kind of, it's not like she has any real sort of choice in it. She, she makes kind of the decision like, about lunch. She makes the decision about lunch, yeah, but she makes the decision to kind of like, to end the whole thing because she knows that that's what they want to do. And it's almost like she's kind of like, helping them out doing what they want and not really sort of doing what she wants, which I'm sure she wants to just kind of finish the meeting and get everything out of the way. Mm. Um, she's usually the sensible one. Um, but yeah, and they also, they mentioned this thing, um, Little Rock. Do you know much about Little Rock? No. So Little Rock is, um, I don't know much about it either. Little Rock is basically these kids. So this is like the end of segregation um, and kids were, kids wanted to sort of um, go to like you know predominantly white schools and they were allowed to by law kind of in a way Um, but nobody had actually done it yet so these kids kind of I can't remember how they kind of they they got admitted into this school and there was all this like uproar from like you know all the people around and like didn't want them to go and stuff so the president had to kind of get involved and like the like army was kind of sent in and all this kind of stuff and I think at one point, yeah, the mayor kind of changed his mind as well. So there's like a change in the mm. mind, changing thing there. But it took ages for them to get in there and sort of... And this this will come up later on in the episode, but this is kind of like the start. So this kind of happened way before all of the, the, um, the 
before this episode. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like in the psyche and people were aware of it. So that's kind of interesting. Um, there's loads of other things to talk about, but I don't want to. I don't want to keep Helen awake. So <laughs> kind of move on to the next scene. <laughs> Unless okay. there's anything you want to add. Um, let me just get your notes up. Mm. I mean, isn't this also the scene where Peggy and Oh yes, what's his face? What's point. his name? Um, Kurt. Kurt have yes. their little. Because I feel like there's an interesting... Yeah, what did you think about that? That's a good point, actually. Well, I mean, it's a bit of a shock that she's suddenly, like, interested in him. She's yeah. chosen him to be interested in. Mm. And it's just the difference between that and, like, the Roger Jane situation. Where oh, it's very... Yeah. I think there's a really big, like... It's almost like there's an echo of a fantasy there. Because it's like Peggy almost acts a bit like you're saying Jane does in a way that's kind of like makes she feels or she's supposed to act as a woman like sort of a bit coy like oh you know i wouldn't want to keep you if you're (laughs) like like making sure that he you know he definitely wants to go with her that's all like tricks women do to like make sure that that, because i was gonna ask you about that because i i wasn't sure she if she did want to go on a date with him i thought she i literally thought she she does okay okay, yeah i think she wants to go on a date with him but she doesn't she wants to make sure that it's, it's... She's almost like checking that he's not just being nice. See, that's the thing I kind of hooked onto is the fact that she didn't make a decision. She just wanted to figure out how she felt about it. So she was digging deeper. She's mm. kind of different to everything else where everybody else is kind of like, they have made it. Well, they're trying to make decisions. Um, and then that's when they change their minds because they've kind of committed and they've sort of like, gone, oh, I don't really want to do this. Whereas Peggy's different in that she's kind of gone... Do I like this? Am I sure about this? Nah. No, I think it's an insecurity thing. I think the very big difference between Jane and Peggy is Jane is very sure of herself. She knows Roger wants her. Right. She just knows how to make herself even more like the perfect woman. Right, okay. Whereas I think with Peggy, she's there's an element of insecurity where it's, where it's just like, you know, a guy asks you out and you're like, are you sure you want to go out with me? Oh, like, are you okay. sure I'm worthy of you? Mm. And I think, but you see that a lot, but that's why she doesn't, that's why she can't make the decisions in that meeting. Even though she's been given this opportunity to have everyone look to her Interesting. and say like, you can make the decision on this, which has like never happened before everyone's <laughs> just laughed at her and stuff. Yeah. Now she's in this position where she's like sort of getting some power and she doesn't know how to deal with it because she doesn't have the confidence in her own whatever it is like i mean her even with men her relationships have been and that's you know i think for her whereas jane's probably got everything she's ever wanted her whole life (laughs) peggy hasn't and it's like the first guy that she was with basically rejected her and then she had a kid and like like, (laughs) i mean no wonder she's a a whole mess (laughs) but you know i think she sort of thinks oh you know he's i think she she targets because she i mean she wouldn't ask him that question yeah i think if she wasn't more interested in finding out about him okay so that's the thing i locked onto is the fact that i thought she was i thought she was feeling out seeing how he felt and like yeah just trying taking her time maybe um maybe whether that's confidence or lack of confidence there's a kind of like she's not she doesn't seem to be throwing herself at him like fully she's just kind of like going all right we'll see how serious he is, what he's like, who he is, and all this kind of But that's stuff. how women were supposed to be, though. They were supposed to let the man lead. They were supposed to... God damn it, yeah. Do you know what I mean? She's <laughs> she's even... She's, like, basically giving him 
a way to talk himself out of it, isn't she? Because she's going like, oh, I live all the way in Brooklyn. Like, you don't want to come and pick me up. And he's like, neighbors. neighbors. <laughs> Which we still actually know if they are neighbors or not. But... No, no, he's kind of weird. He says like weird things like that, doesn't he? But he's, where's he from? I can't. I don't think like they ever say. I th- he might be. I don't I think, think he's they, Swedish. I don't think they fully. He's blonde and quite beautiful, so I'd, <laughs> say, I'd say he's Swedish. <laughs> there you go, Swedish. Or Scandinavian, at least. There's something. Um, neighbors mean something, but I can't remember what it was. Um, People who live next door to each other. No, it means something else. But oh, I can't, okay. I can't. Um, and give me five seconds to kind of find out what it means. <laughs> Um, I wrote it down somewhere. Right. I've got a glossary. Oh my god. <laughs> That's what we're dealing with, people. A glossary. That's what I'm dealing with. I've got a glossary of meanings for the words because I'm a massive nerd. Um, indicates some kind of role reversal. That's it. It indicates some kind of role reversal uh, or things people don't do traditionally. What? That's what I've never means. heard it used like that. No, I, no, not not in general, but like for the show, like. What I'm saying. Oh is, right, in the show. In, okay. the show, oh, in, yeah. in Mad Men's very own language. In, yeah, exactly. In the Mad Men glossary, that's what it means. That's what it means. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's move on. Um, so Pete and Don done by the poolside at the hotel. Um, so Pete's very kind of Pete's raring to go, and Don's kind of no. Pete wants to relax, and yeah, Don's yeah. kind of like you know we got to work, we got work to do, and um, he seems a bit kind of stuck up. They're standing there in their suits near the pool. It's very interesting because the choice is they've done that because I think you couldn't. They, it's almost like they've taken Don Draper from New York and planted him <laughs> in his exact form that he would be in in New York by, because of this lost luggage. Yeah. In this completely, almost you know everything's relaxed fantastical well it's the californian dream isn't it is yeah. that playing by the pool glorious sunshine girls with bikinis on like mm-hmm. you know people having cocktails by the pool and stuff that's mm-hmm. like not the new york life at all and they've they've moved him don is exactly the same person that's why he's because i mean i was a bit like before i knew about the luggage i was like what a douchebag he like stands around the smoking around the pool in a suit and everything <laughs> Um, and Pete's just, yeah, I still hate him. <laughs> um, That's all I have to say about that. I, I, I thought this was a really interesting scene because I liked the way that Don is really kind of, I think it's, it basically is really good sort of character stuff, I guess, where, you know, Don, it would be the kind of guy that wanted to work and wanted to kind of like hammer everything because he's mm. like from this poor background and he wants to sort of, drive as hard as he can and he's trying to make life better for himself and he's always on this um on this treadmill almost to kind of like make life better for himself yeah like run almost running away from like the poverty that he was brought up in and then you've got pete who's kind of a bit more relaxed in that environment he's just kind of like yeah we can you know we can go and do work tomorrow like i want to relax today and it's kind of again it's this whole thing of fantasy and how we look at fantasy and the fact that Don is talking about at one point he mentions like having sunglasses and um, and how, you know, he's so focused on it's like think about how we look at the sun and you can't really stare at the sun because it'll obviously blind you. Mm. And Don's kind of like staring at his goal as if like this is the one thing that you have to do. But like Pete's a bit more healthy. I think Pete's the protagonist in this and Don's kind of like in the wrong where Pete's kind of like, you know, we should just relax and just kind of chill out. Because mm-hmm. he would say that because that's what he's from. It's kind of like, mm. not, none of this stuff is going to go away for him. He's kind of like used to it, do you know what I mean? Um, 
And I think the pool kind of, um, the pool's kind of like another sort of um, glossary thing where uh, I think it um, indicates where you're from. Um, you know, like, I guess you could think about it in terms of like, if you're a rich person, people know that you're, if you tell people when we were a kid, when, when I was a kid, we had a pool, then you, there's an idea that you were rich as a kid. Yeah, yeah. I mean? So I think that's kind of what the pool is kind of like an indication of where a person's from. So like, so when you see them standing by the pool, it's kind of like, this is, it identifies them in some sort of way and it sort of like gives you a, an idea to sort of think about that. Mm. Um, they do mention TWA as well, which is, um, you know, the, I can't remember what sounds right now, but the, the, the air, airlines. And that was a weird sort of, the, it's a weird sort of drop to put in there. But um, TWA was a weird sort of airline in that everything, as it was sort of being built in the, you know, years back in, 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 in American history, as it was being built, there was like so many things going wrong for it. And there's so many different kind of like uh, issues that they had in building the actual airline. But I'm not even going to go into it now, but like there's a whole sort of Wikipedia page on it. Um, but the, the other thing that I want to mention before we think about moving on is um, this guy Ricardo, who's and what the weird guy who approaches Don at the bar. No, it's not that. No, it's the that's the guy that's looking after Don's lost luggage. His name's Ricardo. Oh, okay, I completely didn't. <laughs> you know, register you, at all. you wouldn't. Like, I don't think it's like it doesn't really stand out. But I just think it's interesting that Ricardo. It kind of like a Latin Spanish version of Richard, which is a longer version of Dick. And that's Don's real name. Because we never actually... Wow, that's a stretch. We never we, well, no, we, we never really meet Ricardo. It's just this name that's dropped out of nowhere. So I'm kind of like, okay, what does that mean? I'm, I guess we'll talk about that later. Um, okay. <laughs> Look forward to that. Um there's other things you could mention, but let's move on because we don't want this bit to be too long, do we? If you want to mention more, <laughs> you can. No, it's all right. There's like some like really kind of like cheesy things. If anybody wants to hear them, just drop me a line. And I feel, yeah, I feel me. like you should just do like an extra cut where it's just like you leave here and then you go home and you record for another hour saying all the things that you didn't get to say here because I get really impatient after we've been recording for two hours. I'm laughing because that's happened once. Um, <laughs> um, so the next scene is Don meets Joy and Co. So this is kind of so this is oh, this is really cool. I, this is like one of my favorite things in this whole episode happens here. Um, but I'll I'll let you go first. And then well, it's you. difficult because I think it's weird. First of all, I think it's like because he. I mean, even Don finds it weird. He comes up and he's like. Are you an astronaut? Or we've been we've been guessing what you do. Are you an astronaut? Basically, all the things that Right Guard is promoting. Yeah. Um. Are you an astronaut? Are you a what's the other thing that he asks? An actor. An actor. Yeah. Um. And he's. Which are all he, quite fantasy kind of jobs. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, well, you know, she'd like to meet you if you're none of those. And then, but but that at the time that seems weird. But you're like, oh, he's just like some drunk old man. Yeah. But then when you find out that he's Joy's <laughs> father, it all just becomes really weird. And you're just like, you look back and you think, mm. it's creepy as all hell. He is. But I mean, Joy is the embodiment of the fantasy, isn't she? She really And that's is. why she's called Joy, because she's, she is, she is supposedly Joy. Yep. Well, there's, there's, so this, 
so this whole idea of her being joy is really a callback to another episode it's actually actually a callback to the first um the first episode um i'm just trying to find this thing so there's like basically it's when don and um don and roger are talking i'll actually sorry <laughs> so there's this thing where um this is in in the first in um the first episode of this season don and roger are talking right yeah and i'll just read out what they say so like um roger says donald it isn't possible isn't it possible that recently the the recently weaned no that's it, that's it. so roger says to, to don um donald isn't it possible that the recently weaned have some sort of unique perspective right joy enthusiasm he says and then don says you're talking as if there's some fresh version of us. They're not. Young people don't know anything, especially that they're young. So that was like r- way back in the first episode. Now here's Don sort of, well, we'll talk about it later. I guess that's why I didn't write it down now. But like, um, we'll talk about it later. But there's the way that Don sort of treats Joy, especially to begin with, is a bit weird because he's mm. very much letting her take the lead. And she's like this younger little kid. And it's almost like he's just kind of being sort of um, uh, guided by the youth. And he's just kind of letting himself go with it and just almost, you know, in a kind of like, almost like the way we, the way we sort of like look upon nostalgia as, a, as this thing of like this thing that we've got to get back to. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm boring you. No, no, I just think it's interesting because... I would say it isn't necessarily that they don't know that they're young. I would say it's that probably more Roger than Don don't realise that they're getting old. Right, oh, that's interesting, yeah. Because I think it's that whole thing of youth appears to be invigorating to yeah. older people. Yeah. Um, not me personally. I, <laughs> I love being the fact that I can now go to bed at 9pm and not feel... But, you know, I think... I'm 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 more on Roger and Don's side. You want to be, yeah. Well, that's the thing. But the thing is, and I think that's it's that whole thing of though they use they're almost like leeches for young people. The young people make them feel young. Yeah, very much. And it's why you know, and again, we can circle back to this, but it's why you know uh, Roger's willing to give up his fortune and or, or would give up his fortune, mm. and it's why Don gets in a car randomly with some woman <laughs> he doesn't even know and drives off into the sunset because those are things that young people would do. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's a very, it's it's very much. I mean, we, the the characters who are young, you know, it's easy to sneer at them and sort of go, oh, they're, they're they're stupid or yeah. whatever. But they're not stupid. They're, they're just, just young. They're just young. Whereas the older people are kind of like. Um, I want to be young. Yeah. I'm going to behave in this certain way. And I think with Don... And now Don, I've got the money to do it as well. Yeah, but that's the thing with Don, that's echoed throughout because his behaviour gets more and more. But then you also see the miscommunication between um, him and Joy quite frequently mm. in the fact that she's saying something because she's perceiving his actions as being one... or his words being one thing, mm. but he actually means another. Right. And I think there's that... There is a disconnect between the young and the old and it's kind of like even i mean you could probably go back and even with the whole you know she's reading that poem to him and he says oh well right in the first scene and roger says oh i don't i don't want to make you feel old yeah and it's like he's not understanding what she is saying 
And I think there's a big thing about miscommunication. Very true. In that sense. But what did you think of, you know, before we move on, or like, I know you want to talk about it, but just so I don't forget. Yeah. Like, was that woman Betty? So this is the point. This is my favourite thing in the scene. Because I learned, I only watched it once. And I I saw it from the back and I thought, she's going to turn around and it's clearly going to be a different woman. But it looked just like her. And I was like, is it her? But I didn't rewind. So this is, (laughs) that's kind of amazing that you did that. I would have. So this is, uh, this is, I think, the big thing about the episode, obviously, is like this idea of fantasy, right? Mm. So, and what I love about this is it happens so many times in this episode where, Somebody sees something from far away and then it gets closer to them. And when it gets closer to them, it's not what they yeah, want, yeah. What they wanted it to be. So obviously he start, he's in the bar. He's, she's um, the, the lady is miles away. She looks like Betty. He walks up to her. It's not Betty. And then when, she, when she's a far away again, it's Betty. I think that just kind of is Don's state of mind and the idea is how he sees things, basically. It is this thing of like the further things away are, the more attractive they look. It's like okay. oh, that's interesting. I like that. It's it's like there's this um, this is this is a total sort of departure, but it doesn't matter. You should go and watch the film. Have you seen the film? Um, oh, what's it? You know the thing with that kid, and they go off and they go off on a day off, and they have like and like there's three of them, and they they're all around Chicago and. What's it called? Like Ferris Bueller's Day Ferris Off. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, yeah. So in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and this like really, really cool scene where they go to this um they go to this um uh, museum and they're looking at all these pictures, right? And um Ferris Bueller's friend, whose name I can't remember, he's just staring at this one picture, and I can't remember what the type of picture is, I can't remember who who, who the artist is. But he just keeps staring at the picture and the camera sort of zooms into the picture, and as it zooms in, he's looking at this little kid in the picture. And as it zooms in and zooms in, you start to see that it's not a kid, it's just a, a collection of blotches. Mm. And the closer you're in, it, it it loses its kind of any form. It's yeah. nothing. And that's kind of what I think this... And it's interesting because I, I watched that when I was a kid and I was like, that blew my mind because um, I was listening to the commentary. Oh, yeah. And um, the guy who directed it, whose name I can't remember as well, he starts talking about that scene as that and like says, yeah, this is always this idea that, you know, the closer in you look at this character... The closer you look at him, the less there is to see. There's nothing there. And I think that's kind of... I think that's really interesting. So deep. I love it. <laughs> um, but that's the whole point of the episode, right? That's 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 what happens. They The more the closer they get to anything, the more it either lets them down or it just dissipates into mm. nothingness. And we just see a lot of that in the, in the episode where just, um, yeah, things come closer. But I'll, I'll point them out as we get to them. Um, but do you want to talk about because we haven't really mentioned the fact that um um that that um Pete comes in and um this is like this is exactly the the point so like they're talking to Don they're kind of really getting on with Don then Pete comes out of nowhere and everything's kind of gets ruined just because he's there um which is really really interesting i want to point out as well that i think the um that's the theme of this uh, this this uh, scene is the the idea of like looking things looking good from a distance. They mention um, uh, Tony Curtis, the actor. Oh yeah. Tony Curtis is obviously this good looking actor at the time, and is kind of like you know loved by everyone. Everyone thought it was amazing and stuff. Um, but he was like a massive um, drunk, and like he had like numerous wives, and like his life was in total torment and all this kind of stuff, and it was just difficult for him to live. But like obviously, from the sheen, from the from the outside, 
from afar he looks like perfect and his life looks um amazing and everything um uh oh and there's this thing as well there's so uh, there's a little thing at the end of this scene as well that that um is really kind of hidden they talk about these two they t um pete's talking about these two different um clients that they have i don't know if you remember this because it, yeah. it's really hidden uh, he talks about this um he talks about this guy called um rodney barnes and he calls him a classic salesman turned um exec and that's kind of like the, he's used those words before to describe his own father so it's kind of like in his kind of like life like sort of it's kind of him in a way mm. and then he mentions the other client a guy called caleb sawyer who's trying to recreate like human beings um to be as super powered as possible and so so they can work like constantly that's kind of like don mm. and I like the two of the things and um then they goes on to mention these two different companies uh rocket dine and american aviation <laughs> And these are like so hidden. No, I was like just snoring probably by this point. <laughs> but the thing is, like, there's two really interesting names because you've got Rocket Dine, which sounds like a quite a, a cheesy kind of like, you know, like a made up name. And then you've got American Aviation, which sounds like a, or an actual sort of real thing, mm. like, like a big thing. But it turns out that Rocket Dine is a government and a real government sort of funded company. With like loads and loads and loads of like companies and sort of money and all this kind of stuff. Mm. And this is like, it exists, it's real. And uh, American Aviation also exists, but it's literally made by this one guy. And it got taken over and like fell into bankruptcy. And to me, it's like the way you look at those two companies is like Rocket Dine is like this really shitty name. But it's like backed by all this money. And it's kind of like Pete, who's kind of like this kind of weaselly guy, but he's kind of got all this backing behind him. Mm. And American Aviation, it looks good, it sounds good, but it's really just kind of, it's this one guy sort of peddling, sort of like trying to make it work, which is kind of done in a way. I like the two sort of, um, I like okay. the, the way they sort of um, juxtapose to each other. Cool. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, so the next, the next scene is Roger discussing his divorce with the lawyer. Um, and then talking to Doc. I'm, I'm imagining you didn't, <laughs> you fell asleep during this. No, no, actually, I mean, I found it quite interesting him talking to the lawyer. Okay. I think what was quite interesting in a nutshell is how the, the present, almost like the present fantasy can turn what was to shit, if you like. Right. I feel like there's some interesting things that, that you know roger says oh he's been unhappy for ages and he's done this and, yeah. he, and you know and i feel like that's very much the opinion of someone that believes they've found something better right okay. and i think it's something that because i mean i don't know i feel like he was calling for his wife when he had his heart attack yeah, he's, yeah. you know he he didn't seem i mean um, i know he's been slagging about like they all do yeah and but, now he's changed his mind well, that's the thing, and I think that's what. But I mean, it, it's almost like it reminds me of people who go on like talent shows, become super, and become super famous, because Damn. they then their old life. Whenever you hear them talk about their old life, it was always really hard or really shit. Like no one ever goes, "Oh, my life was great," and then I got this, and now this is amazing. It's like the way that you look back. Yeah is you go, oh, that was actually really shit. Now, okay. I'm, now I'm doing this and it's so much better because that's the lies, not always lies, but that's 
the things that we tell ourselves yeah, yeah. to almost justify our choices. Okay. They we're like, actually, it's so much better now. You know, mm. oh, I've got loads more free time or, you know, oh, it, and it doesn't even matter about the money or like, well, like all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. You kind of go, oh, well, I've got this thing now and this thing's better than that thing. That's interesting. And really, it's not. It's just different. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. just a different thing. And it's, it's kind of like the way... True. I think... And then, you know, obviously he's very protective of his ass. He wants to keep what he has. Yeah. He doesn't want to share that. It's very true. But at the same time, he, you know, because she's obviously trying to get all she can from him because good for her, good. <laughs> the snake, you know. And she's obviously got to look after herself as well because, I mean, she's a woman and she's an older woman in mm. those times, middle-aged woman. It's interesting you mentioned that. I think I think that definitely is in there and I think it comes up stronger in a later scene. Um, one of the things I thought about the first part of this scene is the way that you have uh, Roger. So I thought this quite, quite uh, the, these two scenes kind of put together were kind of very much a, to me about like um, Roger's power. And, yeah, like, yeah, how totally. He, how much he's kind of like calling the shots. and But on top of that, you've also got this lawyer who's kind of advising him and telling him what to do. So mm -hmm. he actually has the power, even though he should be like, you know, Roger should be in charge. It's like the, the, the lawyer kind of seems to have something over him, something where he can kind of, he just, I don't know. It's hard to describe. I, I, it's kind of a Hegelian, but I don't, really want to talk, I don't want to use the word Hegelian because it's a bit like over the top. Um, so there's this, um, there's also in this scene, which I, I, which kind of goes back to the old, to the, to the earlier scene. Um, at the beginning, he, the, the 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 lawyer's talking about um, going to the Raphael, right, which is in, in Paris, which I've, I've, I'm guessing you've been. Mm -hmm. right? I thought so, right? Um, um, and and talk, and he says that he didn't really enjoy the the the, the Raphael, and then he says he went to the fifth arrondissement. Yeah. Did I say it right? I have no idea. Okay, so that's like. You know, like we have boroughs in in London and sort of like in in England and stuff. Like I think Aridisus Mons are kind of like the same sort of thing. So like general areas, right? Mm -hmm. And he said he likes the general area of um uh, of this fifth Aridisus Mont. And I think the the doctor position there is the fact that you know when it comes to fantasy, the, it's like what I was saying about the picture, right? So when it comes to fantasy, you, if you have like a fixed idea of what this fantasy is. When you get hold of it, it's not real. But like, if you have a general idea of what a fantasy is, and you just keep that idea there, that fantasy sticks and sort of like it's always kind of it's always appealing because you never really test it out. You never really, you're never really specific with it. Um, there's also the bit where um, uh, the lawyer goes on to say that um, if you want to be with a 20 year old girl, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to yeah. So talking about the marriage license, um, the lawyer says, if you want to be with a tw with this 20-year-old girl, you're going to have to buy it from her. Not talking about the license. He says, I have to warn you, women in this situation become extra irrational. <laughs> and um, I, I, obviously he's talking about, uh, he's talking about Mona, his wife. But I also think he's talking about the 20-year-old girl as well. Do you see what I mean? <laughs> Does that make sense? Or am I kind of like... Well, I mean, it's business for him, isn't it? It's money for him, but he's basically yeah. saying it's going to cost him. And yeah. it is going to cost him. It's going to cost him a lot. You can't... It's like, it's it's almost like they all have to pay for the things that they go through in this episode. Every single character has to pay in some way. 
yeah, for true. what happens to them. And this, for Roger, the cost is money. Mm. For Dirk, the cost is his sobriety. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> for Peggy, it's her dignity in some senses <laughs> because, you know, but it's, it, it, there's a price on everything is what he's saying, I think. And I think that's true. The You know, the price you pay to to achieve your dreams if you like mm. is often high i want so like when when um duck comes into the office um there's a there's a whole thing where like you see i, I probably shouldn't even go into this but the, there's a whole thing where you see where they meet they're all three of them are outside uh, roger's office and you see roger's name on the office door mm. and i feel like there's a lot of stuff in in the show about meaning and like how meanings can shift and how you know the meaning of something can change depending like the meaning of a person um or who a person is can change depending on what room they're in right and i feel like when they're in the room with roger it's almost like there's this shift in dynamic or they're trying to get the shift in dynamic so in the first half of that scene with the lawyer and roger the 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 power dynamic is always shifting sometimes the, the the lawyer's in charge sometimes roger's in charge but when um, when it's Roger and Duck in the room, it's always Roger in charge, and Duck's kind of like just trying to kind of get some sort of um, respect or something. It's really interesting as well when um, when they're talking. Um, Roger um, Roger pours himself a drink and yeah. never never offers one to to Duck, and when Duck sort of like brings out the cigarettes, you know that Roger's not supposed to smoke. The first thing he does is offer one to to um, to Roger. And it doesn't have any effect because he doesn't get the thing that he wanted when he went into the scene. Um, anyway, and I said some stuff about Hegelian dialectic there, but um, that noise you can hear, by the way, is a cat. <laughs> I put yeah. the, I put the cat on the, on Twitter. Ah, <laughs> he's so cute. I mean, he's big now, so he looked. Um, yeah, he's like he's now thirty years old. Uh, that's <laughs> the last time we did a podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so the next scene is. The really fascinating, exciting scene of Don and Pete at the conference and watching a screen. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of that? I this? mean, so I get this scene. Right. right? <laughs> because this is this is the moment. There's a point in I think everyone's journey where they go, Oh my god, I've gotta just fucking do it. Because <laughs> right. I think and I think for Don, he's watching this and they're basically talking about the end of the world or the start of <laughs> the beginning. They're gonna they're gonna wipe out all the and just like that, they can just wipe out all these cities in mm-hmm. Russia and they can mm-hmm. just kill all these people. And he's sitting there listening to a PowerPoint presentation. Probably isn't PowerPoint, I don't know what they would have called it back then, but you know, of him explaining how easy, how great these weapons are mm. that can just kill people instantly. Mm-hmm. And I think he's sitting there and it's that moment of, it's almost like it's that moment he goes from being like where he is in his life, he's in the light and then right. it all goes dark and suddenly he's in the dark. He's like, oh shit, I actually okay. don't know what I thought I knew. Right, okay, And I think there's, you know, I, I don't know. I, I That's kind of all I really took from it. Okay. But, I, I got a similar thing as well. Like I thought it's almost like, yeah, so Don up until this point has kind of basically run away from home. He's kind of like got out of it. He's like, I don't want anything. I, I can't, there's nothing I can do there. I want, And it's kind of like Don's point in his life up to this point is kind of, I, it's almost like he's, um, 
yeah, he's, it's the thing he wanted. He wants to get to to LA. He he's wanted to sort of like escape to this place. The the way the room, the way the room is. So he's kind of like traveled all this way across the whole of America, like to this completely new place, this hot sort of like like heaven on earth or whatever to him. And he's sat in a room with a bunch of people in suits, which is basically what he was doing when he. So everything's kind of the same, and like, and I think what I think more than just being about um, destroying everything, you know, you see all these rockets, and they're basically all over. It's like everything. All the rockets are exactly the same, and they're all kind of like all over the world, just kind of like, and everything. It's almost like there's no escape. Mm. Wherever you go, you're always gonna have this thing, and I think that's kind of what Don's thinking in that moment. It's just kind of everything's the same nothing ever gets better and um you know this is all there is like you said earlier in in, in, the, in the show um yeah i think and i think he's also aware of the fact that he's alone and nothing's gonna get better and he's like literally aware of all the effort he's put into his life and this is all it's come down to is just him being alone and never being and, and trying to run away and never kind of like find it anywhere i mean yeah that's yeah <laughs> I mean I just think if I went to a presentation and someone was like oh it's so easy to kill this many people even if only 35% or whatever he says of these missiles are effective yeah that's still like a ridiculous amount of people will die yeah yeah and it's that it's that whole thing of the security that you build around yourself can be blown up at any point totally yeah. and it's like that's 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 just how that's the way that the world is it's how sort of like fragile everything is i guess yeah hey everyone it's uh me fola from the future um so i'm just going through editing this podcast to put out to you um uh, eventually uh and i i'm listening to me and helen talk about this scene and i think we're kind of in the right ballpark with it but we do we are missing one bit of information that i totally should have said at the time this podcast is kind of like when you have an argument with someone and you try to say everything you can to them so you can win the argument or whatever. And then um, you forget something and you walk away and be like, damn, I wish I'd have said that. Um, and you can't go back and change it. Well, future Fola can. And I'm here now to change this. So one thing that we forgot to say was um, we didn't mention the fact that the, um, the speaker is talking. He says something really interesting. He says, um, secondary strike capabilities will be extremely limited due to the decrease in infrastructure and population and as he says this uh, Don, the look on Don's face is like sheer horror and fear and obviously that's kind of the whole idea of um, rockets exploding on earth um, and destroying the human population is terrifying but I think for me this also kind of points to like Don's almost midlife crisis and the fact that he's just split up with his wife um and his marriage is over and like the guy says like the the speaker says um secondary strike capabilities will be extremely limited due to the decrease in infrastructure don has no infrastructure he doesn't have any family and population there's nobody like as he gets older there's less people for him to you know get with um, so it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of cool. And I, I knew, I knew that was in my mind as I was watching, as I was talking to Helen, I just couldn't remember it and I couldn't find it in my notes as we were talking. So, uh, yeah, I can come back and just drop it in here. So, um, 
Yeah, I'm gonna leave you with that, and I'm gonna put you back, uh, hand you back to past me and Helen. And uh, oh, just to tell you as well, uh, in the future we do have flying cars, so uh, look forward to that. Um, anyway, <laughs> I'll hand you back over to them now. I, I might pop up later as well. Um, but bye for now. Bye. So anyway, they they leave that. They're leaving. They're they're just walking past the hotel. What did you did you think about it? Because this is like a really short scene, but I think it's really important. Oh, it's really cool. I think it's got a particularly cool theme. This is where this is where um, also Don meets Joy for the second time. Yeah, yeah, I know. They do that whole shot of her like walking in like in a movie when she's all like in <laughs> a pretty thing, dress. Right? Yeah, like yeah. She's like far away and she walks up to him and it's a similar sort of shot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just I feel like. When Pete sees that stuff, because Pete is young, remember, as well. Mm. I mean, he's not as young as Joy, but he's young. Mm. He doesn't see the fear in that. Oh, you mean the the, the blowing up? Yeah, I think when Don comes out of that, he's thinking, oh, my fucking God. Yeah, yeah. Like, my what the hell? Yeah, yeah. Whereas Pete walks out and he's like, what's up with the valet? <laughs> like, and he's just heard that, like, they've built this thing that can kill millions of people really point. easily. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And it's not even touched the sides. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because at that point, I suppose Pete doesn't really have any regrets about his security or he's not worried about his security. Yeah. Whereas I think Don is like, how the fuck can you be know, caring about yeah, ballets? I get what you mean. I hadn't even thought about that. To be honest. I hadn't thought about the link of Pete sort of watching that thing and not really. Well, he's just like looking through his neck. They show him in the thing and Don's like this. <laughs> oh, you can't see him, but I'm like bulging my eyes and staring at nothing. And then... You know, Pete's like looking through the notes. All right. So that's that's interesting because for me, like, the, what I wanted to talk about with that, with the next scene with them outside the outside the hotel, is you know Pete says this stuff about the valet being sort of like cheap labor and stuff, um, and then it's weird because Don sort of tells him what to do. Then Don sort of tells him to kind of like go and put the stuff away, like as his boss, and um, and then um, hang on a second. Uh yeah, and then um, and and he's already and Pete's already said this stuff about cheap labor and people not being around, and then Don just kind of like leaves, and it's almost like for me, it's like Pete talks about the fact that what they've just seen, all the companies, all these kind of tech companies, are like they they'll pay three times as much as Lucky Strike, mm. and it's like what you were saying about the old sort of like getting something new and sort of like running towards that and mm -hmm. like sort of like that's the new sort of toy to play with yeah. and stuff. And also the fact that um, Pete and um, Don does exactly the same thing where he kind of, he sees this girl and he's like, why I'm out of here because she's really pretty and stuff. Um, but there's also this fact that um, the look, like Don's kind of like this good looking sort of, he looks great, but he he's cheap. That's the point. That's the point I was trying to make. He looks really good. He looks the part, but he doesn't, he's not really up to the job in the same way that um, there's something else I can't remember what it was, but it doesn't matter. But he, it's just the fact that Don's really cheap and Don's really kind of like cheap labour and that's why he kind of leaves. It's one of the reasons why he leaves. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I... You Don's agree. not cheap labour. You don't think he's cheap? Don's expensive. He's expensive, but he will... Like, like <clears throat> the difference between Don and... Like the, we were saying, the difference between Don and Pete is like Pete... Pete won't burn himself out. Pete will keep going. Because Pete's kind of quite happy, like he's taking breaks, he's sort of like he's working at a sustainable pace. Um, but Don will sort of break himself 
and you know I don't want to don't want to go into spoilers or anything but like let's just say things could happen to Don if he works himself to the bone right that's all I'm going to say um and I don't think the same thing could happen to Pete because Pete's not as... Yeah, but Pete's... And I think this is what's interesting with the next time you see Pete is that Pete's not in charge, so he doesn't worry about it. Pete's Fair enough. Not the, and that's the that's another theme, I guess, in the episode is it's like, you know, Mona and, uh, you know, the kid, uh, his kids are not Jane's problem, they're Roger's problem. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to go, oh, well, you know, if this all comes out as a flop. It's not my problem. This person made the decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay. I, I feel like there is a there is a whole thing about decisions in oh, this yeah, episode yeah, and making decisions. On, and, you know, because it is a little bit like, I think, you know, he, see, he, he has this choice where he can either go and have this meeting with these people and talk about rockets and how he's going to market. I'm assuming that's what they're doing. I don't actually remember why they were going there in the first place from the previous episode, but I'm assuming it's to advertise this it's company. To, yeah, it's to, to get pictures, isn't it? So, so they, they've got other people that they can take money from to, to market their stuff. Well, exactly. And it's like, he can either be the person that goes to that meeting and tries to figure out how the hell you market a fucking weapon mm. as a positive thing. Mm. Whereas Pete's just going, oh, well, Don's here, so Don can, I can just chill out a bit because I've got, I'm not the person in charge. And that's why when you see Pete there, he's like stalling the people because he's waiting for Don, not because, because he can't, he doesn't want to have to do that himself. Mm. He's relying on someone else. Like you can mm-hmm. always relax. I mean, that's the thing with Joy is Joy is great, but Joy doesn't have any responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I think all the characters that have responsibilities, you know, it's, it's a, it's a much more complicated journey for them it's it's kind of yeah. like the whole way through it is before we go on to that part i just want to mention the fact that because i'll get onto that in a second because that's the next scene but i just want to mention the fact that um before because i got a reading I, I love this line uh that joy says to don um before she gets in the car which is why deny yourself something you want and then don takes a, a drag on his cigarette um, and then sort of leaves with her, and I think it works in so many different ways. So there's the kind of there's the te- the the connection to um, Lucky Strike, like they say at the beginning of the scene, like so comparing Lucky Strike to these kind of like rich um, money ridden companies that'll pay three times as much as that. But then there's also so it's like him going off with her is like you know S and C going off with one of these rich companies over Lucky Strike. But then um, when she says that to him, he's so, so the thing about cigarettes in the, the, in the show is they're always kind of like this idea of comfort, right? Mm. So anytime someone smokes a cigarette, it's usually something bad is happening and they're ignoring it and smoking a cigarette instead, instead of dealing with the thing. Mm. Um, and I think that's kind of what he does. But then he puts the cigarette out and it's almost like... Um, uh, Joy is replacing that cigarette, so it's like another thing. Um, we're getting attacked by the cat. It's another distraction instead of the normal distraction, which is a cigarette. Is it a distraction, or is it just I don't want to be in charge anymore? I'm just gonna go with this woman because she's because then I can just follow whatever she does. I think it's both. It's about follow. There's a lot of um, he will, he will walk on your keyboard. <laughs> That's all right. Don't think that he won't. That's all right. Come as on. long as he doesn't press the delete button, it's fine. Come on. <laughs> 
Um, so sorry, and then we were going to talk about Pete on the phone. Well, let's just, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, she's definitely the fantasy woman, isn't she, in this scene? Yeah. And she says a lot of fantasy things. Um, but even like the big thing for me, what you're saying about the white thing, it's like she puts the white headscarf on. She does. And it's got all the because fe- I was like, whoa, that's like an amazing <laughs> headscarf. She's got even isn't even the car white as well or something. I can't. Remember. I can't remember either. But it's like. But yeah, the the headscarf is white. She yeah, I mean you can see he just sort of goes right, fuck this, I'm gonna go over there, <laughs> and then just doesn't just doesn't tell anyone anything, and she's like, oh do you want to get your things? And he's like, no, but she doesn't know. Again, it's that whole thing of like, in her mind, she That's sees what pe- it. People can do that. She just, well, she just sees it as, oh, he's, she probably sees it as, oh, you know, he's just abandoning all his crap just to come with me. Well, she uh, Does she, or does she see it as like, she's like you say, like she's young as well. Like she just sees him as young and like kids don't have any responsibilities. So it's fine. Yeah. Hey everyone, it's me again, future Fola. Um, I'm just editing. And as I got to this scene, I realised exactly what I was trying to say to Helen that I couldn't actually think of at the time. Um, so, at the beginning of this scene, Pete says all the rich companies, all the rich tech companies, are like a gold rush, right? And I said that Don was cheap. Um, I was wrong to say that. Uh, I agree with Helen. Don isn't cheap. Uh, but I think what the, the, um, the scene is trying to say is that Don is kind of like gold um if you think about gold it kind of catches the eye and it's nice to look at uh, because it's valuable uh, almost like a, a valet adds value to a hotel or don adds value to sterling cooper or joy being pretty and kind of this young person um, kind of adds value to don who feels like he's getting old like the whole sort of scene kind of seems to point to these or signifies a value which I totally missed the, well I totally forgot to say the first time around so in the with the miracle of editing I've been able to add it in here so that's good um, so I'll hand you back um, but before I do uh, just to let you know the machines have become sentient and I'm recording this in the bunker waiting for Arnie or Neo to save me uh, I'm sure I'll be fine they've done it before um, but yeah uh, that's what's happening now so um, hopefully by the time um, I finish editing this podcast I could send it out because Arnie and Neo would have done their job anyway back to uh, past me and past Helen and I'll talk to you later bye Pete is kind of relying on Don at that point but what's really interesting to me is like he ends the, the scene saying um that, that Don's probably making a phone call. So he's kind of like, he's desperately trying to sort of like... Yeah, the scene around the, the pool with the executives. Yeah, yeah, he's he, he's making up excuses because he doesn't know how to be without to him. With it, he doesn't yeah. know, he doesn't want to be the decision maker because if he's not the decision maker, it's like anything at work where you're not the person who's in charge. When you're not the one who's responsible in terms of how much you sell or whatever, you can say, oh, well, I did my best, but yeah. it, the blame falls on this person. This yeah. person pe- gets paid more, this person has more power. True. And you take that away and suddenly you're the person with the power and you're in that situation. Yeah. And he 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 almost can't, he, he almost, he's step, almost stepping into Don's shoes um, at that Pete point. He does not take responsibility at that point, yeah. Um, no, he doesn't. Well, he does say, he says that um, he thinks that um, um, Don is making a phone call. And then we cut to Don 
and he is arriving at Palm Springs with joy and they walk through the doors to this amazing house. Um, so much to say about this. I said that the theme of this was um, signs, signifies and signified. This is whole scene. So this is the whole scene where um, Joy introduces Don to this whole sort of world yeah. and people and stuff. And it's kind of, and what's really interesting about these characters is I don't, you, it's kind of, it, it doesn't, it's not evident straight away, but like all the characters in this house, they kind of like mirror all the characters in Betty's father's house. Oh, okay. I could go through them all, but I'm not going to bother because it's like, it just goes on forever. But like, yeah, there's a, there's, there's a version of Betty's father. There's a version, there's a version of Gloria. There's a version. Oh, okay. of, there's, there's a version of Betty. There's a version of Don. There's like everyone's there. Um, and what did you think? Do you do you remember much about this? Um, I mean, I remember her coming in. She's like, "This is this person. This is this person." I was surprised that this person's here, but okay, whatever. <laughs> and then she just whips off her dress. Yeah. And then she's in a bathing suit, and she's like, "Let's go for a swim." It's like so. That's that thing of like again, like signifiers and signifiers and stuff, and and names because like. The first thing they say is like the first thing Joy says. She tells the porter that um, they're supposed to be in Edward's room. Oh yeah. Um, and that's kind of again these, this idea of characters being in different rooms and being different characters and mm. stuff. Um, but then there's the the whole thing where um, uh, what was the other thing I wanted to say? Oh yeah. So the, the the whole the whole place, the whole sort of room, the whole um, house is essentially very reminiscent of this guy called Slim Aaron's like he's a photographer mm. <laughs> you got a smile I'm sorry it's just because the, the cat's like listening alive. to you really <laughs> intensely <laughs> um, so you got Slim Slim Aaron's uh, so Slim Aaron's Slim Aaron's is like the, the whole thing the whole look of everything is like this Slim like a Slim Aaron's photograph and Slim Aaron's again I'm not going to go into massive detail you can look it up but basically Slim Aaron's has a very similar background to Don where he was kind of like from this poor background, but he never told anyone. And he kind of like lived this amazing lifestyle, but everyone thought he was rich and stuff. Um, and yeah, it's just really kind of interesting uh, little thing that they put in there. Um, what else did I want to say about this? There's just loads. So, th and this is where Don faints, right? Mm. And so when Don faints, this is where I get a bit confusing, I guess. Um, you know, like we always talk in this, when we talk about this show, there's this thing about hot and cold. Yeah. And like how it's sort of connected to like sex in some sort of way. And it's like how, you know, Betty's kind of anytime, anytime Betty's in control, it's like, there's like a, this idea of, of it being cold. And anytime Don's in control, it's like quite warm and it's like hot and stuff. Um, and I kind of like dig, did a little bit of digging. And have you ever heard of Marshall McLuhan? No. That's interesting. So Marshall McLuhan is basically this media philosopher from the 60s, right? And he defined this thing called this idea of um, cold and hot media. It's like, so cold and hot media have different sort of connotations. Um, it's like cold media requires less stimulants, but more involvement. So like, it's quite inclusive, right? Um, but there isn't much to kind of like get you going. It's just kind of, um, I, I try to think of examples of it, but I can't at the top of my head. Anyway, but then there's hot media, which is the opposite, which is kind of like lots of stimulus, um, but um, less involvement. 
Um, <laughs> this cat is kind of weird. Um, he's not. He's just a ex- normal cat. And it excludes What's the... What's he doing? He's just walking on me. Oh, yeah. Um, He'll do and that. And it's, it's quite an exclusive thing. So, and it turns out that, like, cold media kind of seems to model sort of like a female kind of the way a feminine structure, like, not necessarily women, but like a feminine structure would deal with, like, uh, sex and stuff. So it's kind of like there's more... It's like less stimulus, so less, more kind of like, you know, feelings and sort of like, you know, involvement and just kind of like being involved with someone and sort of like to and fro and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and the and the hot sort of media is kind of more, less, more about stimulus and more sort of like being excited and just wanting what you want, right? So that's the kind of, the, 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 juxtaposition, the juxtaposition between the two. And Don faints because he's, and he's wearing a white shirt as well remember that um he's wearing a white shirt so he's basically and and um joy's kind of like dragging him around and stuff and sort of like introducing it to basically like a toy like like her own special toys like my new little thing look and it's kind of like the jet set right it's like a a jet set is like a a male sort of like toy thing Mm. that you just use and she's kind of like dragging him around like a toy and i think it's overwhelming for him because he doesn't like not being in control and also because it's hot He's playing with my fingers now, um, and 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 because it's and because it's hot. So, um, the basically the overwhelming sense of not being in control and being hot is the thing that makes him um, faint. Is what I was trying to say. I should have asked you what you thought about it first before going into that. I mean, yeah. I mean, I just assumed he was really overwhelmed by the situation i feel yeah. like i feel like it's yeah, that moment it's that moment where you walk it he, he walks he walks in and the first person he sees is that girl on like the lilo on the pool yeah. and it's like the fantasy yeah okay right it's it's not the noisy hotel where he's there to work this is suddenly like the proper chill out fantasy oasis type yeah. situation but it's almost like it's almost like you could think of it as being a kind of hallucination where he's almost like is this a real is this a real oasis definitely is this you know the the paradise that i've been searching for kind of thing and it's it's too much for him i think it's very much a lot for him to take and yeah like you say he'd been sitting in a convertible car for probably four or five hours i think it is from Los, I think they were in LA, weren't they? Los Angeles, Cal- yep, Palm yep. Springs. I think there's quite a big distance between them. Definitely a lot of heat stroke going on. Yeah, and you know he isn't wearing his hat. <laughs> there you go. Which he should have been. Um, uh, there's. I just want to before we move on to the next scene. There's also this thing where. Um, and also notice that there's also. I've only just come up with this though. The way he's dressed compared to everyone else. Everyone else is in like she gets there and she derobes. She's in a bikini. Yeah. Everyone else is in like shorts. Even the doctors in like shorts and t shirt. Yeah. And he's still very much in his he's New still, York is, suit yeah. clothes. But he's wearing a white shirt. So, um, but yeah, no, you're right. So it's kind of like and he, that kind of changes with time. But um, but yeah, he's still quite. I think at this point he's still old Don in a way. Yeah. Um, and I, I just wanted to point out again, you said that thing about Joy kind of taking off her dress and then having her bikini on, on underneath it. It's like she becomes a different person, like literally within the space of a second. And the thing she says to that guy as well, Carlos, she says good, good as she, she says goodbye to him and then takes off her clothes. So it's kind of like she's become a new person. Mm. Like she's literally said goodbye 
and become this new person. Anyway, um, anyway, Don faints um, because of the hot media, uh, and then he wakes up, and there's all these people staring at him, and this is kind of weird. Any thoughts about this? Because I and there's I, that one woman who's like, "Oh, I thought it was really funny because you almost broke your neck or something." Yeah, <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> really, that it's that whole. It's almost <laughs> too much positivity, isn't it? And they're like, "Oh, don't worry, he's a doctor." Yeah. <laughs> and he's just injecting him with something, and it's kind of a weird, almost like horror movie type moment, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. In some ways, it's one really of, sinister. One of the things. Um, one of the things. Um, that kind of struck me was when she when when he's when when he's gonna put the medicine into him it kind of reminds me of um the scene previous where you know the older woman i think her name's greta she's drinking and she said it's medicinal and then um obviously this guy's gonna put this thing into him and he's like it's medicine it's the same sort Mm. of thing and it's kind of like i think there's something about don sort of joining this thing and then sort of saying no to it almost like disavowing it saying no um that's kind of fascinating and interesting um but i'll come back to that later um yeah just but i this this scene for me was a bit weird just 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 the fact that you know they're all it's almost like don wakes up and you know you were saying about how he's in work clothes and he's just being dragged along and he's just going along with it i think he wakes up here and he starts to kind of say, Actually, I don't really want this. I'm not really sure about this. This is kind of like what we were saying about Peggy, where she's kind of feeling out what's his name and sort of like seeing whether whether she actually does want to be with him or whether he does like her and whether the two of them together are good. And it's like Don's kind of going through this process of like figuring out, does he want to be there? Um, so I think we should leave that scene because it's confusing and it's a bit weird. Yeah. Basically, I thought that scene, like the theme of that scene was disavowing but i don't know what that means um so anyway the next scene is the dinner scene with the city's game yeah and this is uh what did you, what did you think about the game and, and um, all the stuff that they were talking about in this um i mean it, i didn't find it as super exciting it's duck going his old tricks isn't it just going all oh, you scratch my back I'll no no yours. no no this is the this is the um the other oh the city's about. game the yeah. one in the oh okay where it's revealed that Don has never had Mexican food. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> but she. But there is. It's interesting because we mentioned about her ch- uh, joy changing in this scene. At first, I thought it was a completely different woman. Oh, did you? Yeah, she looked because she had her hair all tied up, and right, she right, she looked right. very different again. Yeah, and yeah. it was this whole, you know, she's. I don't know. It was all. It was a really odd scene. Yeah. Um and so, they talk about they don't have professions. Yeah. And they, they, they're they almost like, I think when Don sees them, he, he doesn't know who they are, but it's almost like they don't know who they are. They're just these people that exist. Very similar to Don. Um, it's interesting you mentioned stuff about Mexican food, because that actually happens in the scene before, where Joy asked Don if he's ever had Mexican food. Oh, is food. it? And he, yeah. And then, but the, the next scene starts with, um, you know, um, Willie and Rocky, the yeah. two main, um, the 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 old guy and and his wife, they're arguing about Mexican food and how she doesn't like Mexican food, mm. and it's kind of for me the fact that Joyce tells Joy actually asks him, "Do you like Mexican food?" and she says, and he says, "No." Have you ever had Mexican food? And Joy tells him, "You'll like it," 
And it's like, again, it's this fantasy. She's basically, or, or advertising even, mm. where you're putting the idea in someone's head um, that they'll like something and it gets them to the next point. I think that's how a fantasy works. It's kind of like just this idea that, oh, that thing over there is going to be nice. It's going to be good for you. So you should sort of go for it. And it gives you that kind of impetus to, to do something. But what's it, But I think what's interesting about this whole, ta- whole scene for me, and I guess for Don, is that these people have no purpose their conversation is completely pointless there is no they have nothing of purpose to discuss Mm. because they don't have professions so they've made up this very childish Mm. i suppose game to pass the time because they have nothing that's to say that's a really good point because there's no like there's no need to plan for anything there's no you know, big events happening and they're like, this is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just silly, pointless conversation <laughs> lying around by the pool. And that's how, that's their transient life. Sounds, sounds good. And while, it, well, I know. <laughs> well, the, but the thing is, you think, it and that sounds great. And you go on holiday for two weeks and you're like, oh, it's lovely and to hang around. Work. But imagine doing that for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's why millionaires all become criminals and stuff in it because <laughs> they just get... That's why Jeff Bezos, so whoever, still goes to bloody work <laughs> because it's just like they, they can't exist. You've got but, to do something. Yeah, well, that's the thing is otherwise you end up like these people who just have play silly like city games there's a a reference in this about um the london 1994 olympics and the helsinki 1952 olympics and it's this um so initially helsinki was supposed to have the olympics first um, but then there was a world war Mm. so they couldn't um and they kept getting they basically kept getting um uh, postponed uh, for ages and ages and then london got the first Olymp- the first olympics back from the world war and in doing so it also it almost um bankrupt the country and it's known as the how do you say austerity austerity the austerity gains because they had to kind of they had no money to make to do anything and i think there's something in there about you know for instance the first time we see um joy in this episode don kind of doesn't go off with her mm. it isn't until the second time he goes off with her and there's i think there's uh, there's this thing of like second chances and sort of doing things over and over and over again and sort of like being patient because like helsinki when they finally got the um the olympics they had like one of the most successful olympics of all time and they broke loads of records and all this kind of stuff so it's kind of like almost like worth waiting and again, I think it goes goes back to what um, Peggy's doing, where she's kind of like taking her time with um, with Kurt, and what Don's kind of doing in a way as well, where he's kind of figuring out: is he does he really want to be here? Uh, is he really interested in staying? Um, do you have any thoughts on the game that they play? <clears throat> no, not really. So the game, so I think the only reason I ask is because I, I I do surprisingly. I think the game kind of like is basically that the same idea that, that of, of there's all these different countries that they that it's like a list of different countries that they can go to or that don can go to all these different places that you can try out all these different things that you can try out and it's like this chain of things and that's basically life it's just that's what we do we sort of like we try something out does it work no then we move on to the next thing and that's basically life in in and desire as well it's how it works you kind of look at over the horizon and you're always kind of being pulled towards another thing, another fantasy, another thing that might make you happy. And it never 
never does because it's not supposed to but that's what keeps us living and keeps us going forward in life mm. so that's kind of why i think the story's there um not sorry the game's there so then we see don and joy spend the night together I think this is almost as creepy as the opening scene with Roger and, uh, and and Jane. Do you know what I mean? I mean, if you're talking about... I think beforehand, yeah. it's the natural evolution of events. It's what he's supposed to do. It's what they're supposed to do. She... But Don and Joy. Yeah. I mean, she's. it's this whole... But it, it's this whole thing of like... He, she's brought him here. It's oh, supposed okay, to be okay, okay. this, like, you okay. know, bohemian. The implication. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. She brought him here. Like, it's that whole thing of, like, why wouldn't you give yourself something you want right, or whatever? Okay. And he wants her. But he, you know, I think it's that thing of in that moment, he wants her. And I think the shocking thing about this scene is the morning after. And oh, I think it's yeah. that. Again, it's that idea of the fantasy, like the great sex with the young girl. We'll get that, that. sounds creepy. We'll get to that. Oh, is it not that? Is it not this scene? Not, not yet. No. Okay. Well, all right. <laughs> I just, wanna... I'm just, I don't especially want to go too deep into their sex scene. <laughs> I think that's kind of weird. But all okay. right. Okay. We'll get too deep. But then, having said that, I do want to mention the fact that there's a bit of fetishism in this scene. So, like, I think fetishism is a big, a big part of this episode, in that. Uh, I think a fetish or a fetishistic object is essentially a fantasy in itself, right? It's this thing. Let's talk about, let's just, let's say feet because it's kind of like, you know, not too awkward, right? People kind of have this thing about feet, but really, what can you do with feet? There's no actual, they're just, people just find feet attractive, right? For some weird reason. And there's no actual thing you can, there's nothing there's nothing there. There's nothing There's nothing specifically why you'd find feet attractive. They're just a fantasy. They're just a fetish of themselves. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, a fetish is just like a sexual nature. Like I say, I mean, yeah, there's no reason, but there's no reason why you could say that about just about anything. Exactly. The only, I guess the only reason I mention it, I can't avoid it, is the fact that we get a real sort of, there's a real sort of point of the fact that, first of all, we see... Um, Joy take off her, her bathing suit or whatever she's wearing. I can't remember what she's wearing exactly. Um, and she's got white underwear on. Yeah. Right? So that's the first sort of thing stands out. But then she takes off her bra and we it's you're pointedly shown sort of like the fact that Don can see her without a bra on. It's kind of like to me it's like an obvious thing that you know. Have you ever had sex before? <laughs> these are these are fairly normal occurrences yeah, when you have sex. It, they're obviously saying like they're obviously trying to point it out without pointing it out, right? That's what I thought anyway. Did you not? But I, what are they, I don't understand what you're saying. They're trying to point out. I'm trying to point out the fact that they're just that they're sort of like saying um, that Joyce, they're about to have sex. No, that Joy's taken off her bra. That, that Don's like staring right at her. Yeah, because that's what people do <laughs> yeah, when they have sex. Yeah, I know, but they don't have to show it. I'm saying there's specifically the reason why they show it. It's not necessary. Look, they could they could have just like walked into the room. The camera, <laughs> the camera, you know, classless, classly sort of like fades away into the night, and then you know, oh, they're having sex. But we're specifically shown the fact but- that she takes off her bra. And she puts it next to his head. And he's wearing a black shirt as well, by the way. Okay. But what's more important about that scene is she's on top. Yeah, yeah so, and that's another thing I wanted to say. So, well, that's, yeah. You know when... Um, that's a control thing. You know when um, 
at the beginning of this uh, the beginning of the show we are you gonna talk about, about sex scene that happened like two seasons ago no now. i'm talking about the um the sex scene between roger and and jane so i can get the names off stop and I, you know I, I mentioned that thing about the camera movement mm. so like roger starts off on the left hand side okay and then he goes to the right side so that's exactly the same thing happens here right so like you've got i can't remember who's on the side like so you've got don on the left hand side and then you've got jane on the right hand uh, joy on the right hand <laughs> side but when they kiss the camera does this really weird movement and they're both on opposite sides of the of the screen afterwards and i don't know if i think it's like i think it's like a shifting power dynamic i'm not sure who's like in control to begin with and who's in control to, at the end but like i think that's what's going on is the the two of them are kind of swapping places and being and who's in control and who's not in control and all this kind of stuff and I don't know if Don's kind of happy with it, but I think what you say that um, Joy ends up on top, but like also the fact that I think Don is the one in control at the end of the scene. I think Don's kind of like, I don't know. It's almost like he's got not what he wanted as such, but like he's kind of, it's almost like he's trying to hold on to this, this object, this, this, this dream. And it's like, actually, I don't really need it. Do you know what I mean? That makes sense. Anyway, um, let's let's forget about that for a second and let's go back to the office um, where they're getting cakes and Kirk is about to surprise everybody. Okay. Any thoughts on this? <laughs> um, not as not. I don't think there's anything groundbreaking in the scene. I think it's. I think it's clear that. First of all, Sal is like, oh my God. Yeah. That's the generational thing. Again, you've got the young and the old. There. Right, okay, okay. Whereas to the young, he's like, I don't give a shit. This is just what it, the situation. Like, this blah, is blah. me. This yeah. is me. Yeah. And then Sal's like, oh my God, how could you say that in the office of Sterling Cooper? Like, do you not realize you're putting your career on the line? But this guy is like, I don't care. Fuck it. Peggy's turning away. She turns away. She's making coffee at the time. Well, that's another thing. So, like, there's this, this thing about backs, right? So, we see the back of Joy. We see the back of Jane. And we see the back of... Um, uh, oh, yeah. Of, um, of Peggy. And I don't know if that's specific. I don't know if they've done that on purpose. But, yeah, that's there. Sorry. I just didn't mean to do that. Yeah, I guess so. I've not really thought about <laughs> it. Like, I've never really thought about the backs, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, to add in another thing... Why are all the women who have been objects of desires, why do all their names start with, like, J? That's a good point. So we've got Joan, Joy, Jane. Very good point. You know, there's plenty of girls' names to choose from that don't start with J. Yep, that's true. But they all see... And they all, they're all, like, one syllable as well. Yeah, I know. It's like, what's what? Yeah, oh, I don't know. Read into that what you will. Um, I don't know. I just... I feel like it's everything. This scene is just... I don't, like I say, nothing shocked nothing me in shocked it. You. Didn't shock me the reaction to it. Right. Didn't shock me any. Nobody shocked me in this scene, really. Right. So for me, this scene's got this scene's full of stuff, like full of like oh. symbolism. <laughs> of course it is. What do the donuts mean? <laughs> Funny you should ask. Oh. Um, so like, okay, I think this. I think the theme of this of this whole scene is. Perversion, sublimation, and creating meaning, right? Mm-hmm. So like, so the perversion comes from, well, we'll talk about the perversion part later. The sublimation part comes from, um, the sublimation is basically like when you have a feeling 
uh, maybe so you, maybe you're upset about something, you deal with that feeling. Uh, maybe you're ashamed of something. I don't know. You're you're scared or whatever. You deal with that feeling by eating something. Right? That's kind of sublimation. It's like sort of shifting the point of of the feeling, right? Mm-hmm. And Don kind of did this. Um, remember the last season in the last episode? You probably don't because it was a long time ago. There was an, a conversation between Don and Betty, and it was basically Betty saying. But Don brings the kids back from um, taking them out and they meet at the staircase in the house and Don's talking to Betty and Betty basically says, don't ever come back. We're not going back together. And the next scene is Don with um, with Jane and Jane asks Don, what do you want for breakfast? And he says, a bear claw. Do you remember that? No. No. We did talk about it. Anyway, but like, that's what I mean. So like, this the the scene that we had before is like Don basically trying to get over his wife, the marriage with his wife, um, falling apart and sleeping with another woman. The thing is, it's only sublimation, so it doesn't really work. It doesn't affect him. And here we have these guys eating these um, donuts, and they're kind of like they're they they're using these donuts as if they're proof that they've kind of signed this deal. That's what they say. But there's no kind of indication of that. It's just kind of like, well, we'll just take these as kind of like red that we've we've got the deal. Mm. And that's kind of sublimation in a way, I think. Okay. Um, so that's one thing. Um, the creating meaning thing. Through sublimation, what happens when you sublimate something is you're basically taking a feeling that you already have and then putting that feeling or the meaning onto something else. So in a way, like... The fact that they're saying that these cake, these donuts have a meaning and that meaning is that um, they've signed this deal or Don's taking Don's taking his feelings for his wife and he's putting them onto joy, hopefully that hoping that they'll satisfy him, but they won't because it's not the same thing. Um, and then there's also this idea that um, uh, there's there's a at one point uh, I think Sal kind of because they're talking about how many. Um, um, lemon donuts they've got um, uh, Don um, Sal calls them like lemonaires and it's like creating a meaningful word out of nothing but we know what that means because we know what lemons are and we know what millionaires are so we, we create that meaning ourselves does that make sense? okay <laughs> okay <laughs> anytime you say okay it basically means stop talking <laughs> I just it's just too much for me like I just <laughs> I watched this scene and I was like, shocker, he's gay. Oh, I actually thought he was gay with the other one. Oh, do you mean? Oh, the, 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 yeah. the um, Schmitt, Schmitty. Oh, I don't know what they're called. But you thought they were in a I couple. thought they were a gay couple. Right, okay. And okay. then he's, and then, you know, they're all like, ooh, look, um, you know, Peggy and Kurt are going on a date and he's like, it's not a date, I'm a homosexual. And they're all like, oh my God, he's a pervert. We're all homophobic. Peggy doesn't know what to say, so she doesn't engage. Kurt's oh. like, I'll pick you up at eight. She's like, okay. And then w- that's the end of the I want to talk about the... I want to talk about... Of course before, you do. before we move on. What, what, do you, what do you want to talk about? I want to talk about the, the word pervert and what it means in this context and why they use that word. So the actual... So the... the the idea of the clinical, or I guess the Lacanian version of a pervert is somebody who knows all the answers and will change themselves in order to um, please society, right? So they'll sort of... Okay. They don't do what they want. 
they do what other people want of them in order to please them and it's ironic i think it's ironic that harry says that um uh that kurt is a pervert because harry's the guy who fits perfectly into you know he's got the family he's like in a good job he's kind of he's he's literally like living that perfect life aspiring to be like don in a way right and obviously um Kurt is the guy who's doing what he wants and like he literally in the scene is very much I'm gay and that's it and it, it, it doesn't really care about like how people respond to it he's, he's he's living his own life for himself and I think it's like I think all I, I don't think it's just him I also think it's um Joan as well Joan kind of like yeah she does her own thing and she's very cool and she's very strong and everything but she also wears these really tight corsets she wears these high heels. She does. She spends so much time, and I know she's doing it for herself as well. But at the same time, it's really pleasing to everyone around her, and she kind of gets off on that kind of mm. what that does for people, right? So she's kind of like she's also kind of like changing herself to please society as well. Um, and I think so. I think I think the only person who ironically isn't a pervert in that scenario is is Kurt, and that's why they use that word. There's other things as well, but let's move on before you fall asleep. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> okay. Um, What's next? The next part is so the next part is the bit that you kind of wanted to let go on. Um, uh, Don and Joy postcoital and the seedy dad. I'm just gonna let you it's just. Just weird. I'm just gonna let you go. I mean, it's just weird, isn't it? And it's like it's that whole very much the light of day thing as well. You've got the night before where it's all sexy and like, yeah. and then you wake up and he's like half his hairs over his face and he's like, <laughs> you know, he's got that look, that morning look about him. <laughs> and is she? She's reading that book. Yeah, she is. And yeah. she's like, oh, the book's okay, but sex is better. Like, you know, it's they're all very, you know, oh, young, arty sex. And then the dad it's... comes in <laughs> and it's just like, hi guys, hey. how's it going? You are gorgeous. <laughs> and yes. it, yeah, it's just, I'm sorry, but I was just like, and then I think that's, I mean, for Don, that's probably the bit where you're like, oh my God, I'm in the house of fucking horrors right now. <laughs> like, this is really weird. <laughs> and I think that's where he starts to see, because there's a lot about liberalism as well in this. Like, there's a lot of, Everyone's free to be whoever they are and do and say whatever they want. And it, although, but even then, to the point where I'm just going, oh, that's really weird. Like, there's actually, I suppose, nothing wrong with actually what he does. It's not like he comes in and he violates him or anything. Yeah. But it's just unusual. It is a bit and weird. And we're not, and and we're not in our lot. Even whatever background we've had, we're brought up to react to things in a certain way it is a bit weird you're right like pretty much everything's pretty harmless but the fact that when you think back that this guy is basically trying to hook his daughter up with this older dude i guess it's different then but it just makes you feel a bit but it's that whole like love and freedom and like like you say they are it's unusual for them i mean you could you could translate that in several different ways the fact that she's still hanging out with her dad yeah, is weird. Yeah. The fact that they're, they're making out to be this liberal, sort of live all this like bohemian, you know, tack, you know, money drenched life. I have a whole backstory as to why he does all that, but I don't really want to bore you with it because it's not, there's nothing concrete. So I'm not going to, I'm just going to leave it. I think there's a reason why all that stuff's going on, which I might tell you uh, if you drop me a line and I'll let you know. But I mean, you could also say like, 
it's again it's the old and new thing he's living vicariously through his daughter could do yep and it's kind of like as weird as that sounds that's if you know she is one of the younger people there she keeps them young there is this thing in this episode um about gender roles and like i like i don't want to again this is one of these things it's one of these theoretical things i don't want to go into too deep but the idea that when you reach the zenith of your potential or whatever like don has the idea is you swap your your gender identification i guess and whereas you may have had like a masculine kind of way of dealing with the world which is to grab everything and dominate everything and so and then you swap over to being a bit more sort of caring and sort of like looking after people and all that kind of stuff i think it's interesting that you say that you were essentially to me you were just saying there that um willie treats um joy as if she's his son and that's kind of like an interesting sort of yeah i guess because so. i was thinking that all the way through this like like i said joy kind of treats don as if he's a toy and sort of like you know as if she, as if he's her um a jet set her toy jet set and he's kind of like she's showing him off to everyone and all this kind of stuff so i think that's fascinating this whole scene to me was like all about being yourself and knowing yourself and like being comfortable with yourself mm. so i think i agree with the fact that what you were saying about how um nothing really really says is that bad it's just a bit weird and it's just like don has to kind of accept it or not accept it mm. and all everybody in that room is kind of like quite happy with their the way they are and just kind of like free and and, and, and all that kind of stuff and the book that um, <clears throat> that Joy's reading is a William Faulkner book, right? Have you ever read any William? Okay. No. I've never read any William Faulkner either. Um, but I do. I was reading about the book that he wrote um, that she's reading. It's called The Sound and the Fury. And William Faulkner, his life is very unique in that he was basically very, very smart, um, but decided that he didn't want to work at school and just wanted to do what he wanted to do. Um, and he had a love of his life who kind of went off and married someone else. But then later on, he married her. Uh, he went to Hollywood and got really pissed off because he couldn't write the way he went, basically. And he never really did anything for monetary gain until he had kids where he had to do it. And he basically lived his life very much for himself and just kind of, that's how he did his art. It was like mm. very much about him and like never really about all the different um things that you get from that so like money and you know like the fantasy he he basically disavowed the fantasy and said i don't care about the fantasy mm. i'm gonna do what i want in a very similar way to the way kurt is gay and he doesn't care what anyone thinks he just lives for himself right um and the book um the sound and the fury is a is this weird book about again it's about different well from what i can understand it's about different gender roles and the way we treat women in society and um it's about these three brothers who have a sister who they kind of all sort of like they treat her as if she's an object basically and at the end of the book spoilers for the sound and the fury end of the book i think all three brothers end up i think the daughter dies and like all three brothers sort of like die or go crazy or whatever and there's one less one final character this woman this um uh, maid who looks after the who looks after the house who kind of walks away with everything mm. and i think that's the kind of the, the the show's kind of position on this episode is this idea of like feminine way is ends up winning in the end because you know there's just more there's just more involved it's like it's about helping people it's about 
It's about um, sort of thinking about other people. It's not just selfish and sort of like taking things in yourself. So the two, so that's the that's the show. The episode, I think that's the episode's position is that um, you know, Don basically has to find his feminine side. Just one more thing on that. Um, Joy says she went to Pembroke. It was made for Native American people, and as time went on, it became diluted and lost its um, original sort of purpose. You know, like what we're talking about, and sort of like did things for the money instead of like doing things for the real reasons. I think that's another theme. But that's what these people are in in essence, aren't they? It's like they they don't do these things because they want to do them or they need to do them. They do them because they have there's no no other way they can live their lives. Like I mean, even then they're like oh, none of us have professions, none of us have purposes, this is almost our purpose. So for for them, I suppose this is kind of their version of going to work. Like, mm. this is, like, what they do, this is what they know. That's interesting. Do you know, it's, it's a very... Because it's... I mean, you often don't think about that when it comes to other people's lives, but, you know, <clears throat> this is... That what what other people might look at and go, wow, that's a fantasy lifestyle. For them, it's just life. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting you say that they're just going to work because you could look at it another way that they're not they're just doing what they want so I guess it's kind of depending on how I guess if that's the way Don's looking at it but yeah. that's the thing is you look at it and you say oh they are doing what they want but in reality they're are, just are they? yeah, yeah. I mean it's, no point yeah. is anyone like oh I'm so happy to be here or I, you know I love my life like I don't think anyone ever set, actually says that they enjoy their existence definitely this kind of like feeling of sadness because it's <laughs> the, well it's this whole thing of like just trying to find purpose and I think when people try and find purpose they use things like sex alcohol and you know to give their life meaning mm, i mean talking about that sort of stuff creating meaning from something do you know just going off a bit do you know what really makes me sad in this episode what it's that dr klaus walking around in his suit top and his shorts i know <laughs> it's just something i'm so really sad about him like he was like out partying and then he just never stopped and now he's just going through the motions anyway. it's, it's interesting because it is like that whole thing of like he is He's a doctor, but he's not a doctor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that—that's weird. Like that's how you—you you would say, "Oh, what was the point in doing that?" But then he could argue, "Well, what's the point in having loads of money if you're going to work?" Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's kind of like it's looking at things from a, a different perspective. Mm. <laughs> you know. Um. We better move on. Uh, Pete makes the deals at the pool. So this is the this is the the scene I was. I got mixed up with the earlier scene. So in the earlier scene with Peter the pool, so this is kind of like now after we've had that scene where with the seedy dad and this whole thing of like being comfortable with yourself and sort of like being happy with who you are. Um, we now we cut to this scene, this really short scene of Pete just literally la- lounging by the suit, by, by, oh, the, yeah. by, by the pool with his shirt undone, like on the phone, kind of like making deals, basically doing everything that he wants to do sort of like really comfortable with himself. Mm. That's what I mean by he grew. He kind of like, he became, he basically took over the idea of doing what Don has always told him to do. Mm. And just kind of like, now he's himself and he's, just, and he's really, really comfortable and he's in his own sort of element sort of thing. Um, and it's just kind of like cool that he's like there and just, yeah. I, I You know, we all, we've all said it at some point. I kind of liked Peter. This but, his, but the thing is, I think it's interesting because, again, the whole way through his journey, his whole desire has been to be respected. Yeah. And it's like he's almost 
but he was put in a position where he could he had the power i don't know what we don't know what happened at that meeting um which meeting the one earlier oh with the with the two yeah yeah okay yeah but he's obviously in a position where he's he's sort of at the pool in his shirt and with his little cock with his girly cocktail and those two women walk by and he's like they pick up his papers for him And he's like, oh, hi, how are you? And they they just ignore ignore him. him. Well, I think that's the thing, isn't it? So even though he is comfortable with himself, he's still the same person. He's still the same old feet. And it's still not like, his life's not perfect. He's just comfortable with it. Um, I think there's a lesson there, everyone. Um, So, okay, so this is like the really boring scene. This is my, this is what I found a bit boring. The, the, when Duck meets Sinjin or St. John. Um... I love the way they say Sinjin. What do you think of this? This is like a this is a, a pretty deep um, scene. Uh, any thoughts at all? <laughs> no, I mean I think the duck storyline was very, you know, didn't surprise me. There's oh I'm gonna find my way to the top by cheating. That's just the way of the world. He didn't really cheat though, did he? He kind of lied, but he didn't really cheat. Well, he well he he manipulates them. He does manipulate them. He manipulates yes. them when they, when he they don't give him what he wants. He manipulates them. Yep, yep, yep. But in turn, he has to sacrifice his sobriety. Yes. So there's two different types of jouissance. I've talked about this before. I know it kind of goes in one ear and out the other because yeah, I'm not very good at it, right? But there's two types of jouissance. There's male jouissance, and then there's what's known as jouissance of the other female jouissance, whatever. And it's kind of like the male jouissance is what I think I think um, Duck was aiming for at the beginning, where he's basically not really doing anything. He's being good, but expecting people to give him stuff. So like expecting mm. to make deals, expecting to kind of um, get promoted, all this kind of stuff. But he never did. And then there's female jouissance, which is helping other people and sort of like, enjoying other people and sort of you know interacting and being like sort of like engaged with what you do and stuff and there's something about don uh, duck sorry drinking that drink and then all of a sudden everything switches and all of a sudden he's he's not just he's not just um more engaged it's like he's actually trying to he's actually he knows the people he's talking to. He, he's actually getting to them. He's he, he's enjoying who they are. He's like, you know, with his manipulation, as long with his manipulation, he's also saying things like, you know, I can get you to... I, he, he's firing back to them. He's, he's getting involved in who they are. Do you know what I mean? Am I just kind of like repeating the same thing over and over again? I don't know. I mean, like I say, I didn't really notice a whole <laughs> lot about this scene. I kind of just feel like it's... It is what it is. It's like it's like I, I'll I'll move on from this in a second, but it's like um, when he drinks that drink, he becomes more confident, or he becomes yeah, because it's alcoholic. More com- That's a logical explanation for that. <laughs> he becomes more comfortable with himself, and he's more but the, sort. Of- but that's. But again, it's like you look at any of the of the male characters, they've always got a drink in one hand. That's almost like who he's supposed to be. It's not necessarily who he wants to be, right. but it, it's who he's supposed to be. It's who everyone expects him to be. Mm. And it's like that whole thing with Roger where he was like, you know, he went in to politely ask if he could be considered for partner or whatever it is. Yeah. And Roger's like, oh, well, actually, you haven't delivered what you were supposed to deliver. Mm. And it's almost like... I think with his, he's suddenly like, oh, well, actually, I haven't. And why is that? And is it because I'm not 
one of these people anymore because mm. and is that because of alcohol or is it not because of alcohol is it because of how people see you or is it not but it's that it's a slippery slope duck it's a slippery <laughs> slope especially when they send him a case of gin after that we'll talk about that in a second uh just before we leave this scene i just want to mention the fact that at the beginning duck says he doesn't drink because he has a cold you know cold media warm media okay uh and then there's something about him not drinking because it's it's warm uh but yeah i won't go into that um make of that whatever you will people so then we talk about um peggy and kurt and their gay best friend scene any thoughts on this i don't i mean i again i just think it's all kind of like a little bit obvious like she he comes around she's like oh you know you must think i'm an idiot it never works out how I want it to be. Yeah. And then he gives her a haircut and yeah, I don't know. I just feel a little, and she's like, oh, a little bit. I think, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, be, I'm, I'm past the point of being able to process new thoughts now. I'd say the reason this scene is in here, I think the reason this scene's in here is because it's, you know, I've said about Jewissons and Jewissons are the other. So both of them are sort of like enjoying the other. They're sort of like, She's enjoying him because he's cutting her hair and making her feel good about herself and sort of like helping her grow. He's enjoying her because he's allow she's allowing him to do all that stuff, which is kind of like allowing him to be the gay best friend. I know it's very cheesy. I know it's very tropey, but like that's what it is what it is. Um, and then the other things I want to mention about it is like there's the hair motif. So like remember the time earlier on in the show with the creepy scene where uh, Betty cuts her hair off for uh, Glenn. Oh, yeah. So that's them two helping each other out. They sort of meet each other. They help each other out. They become sort of this weird kind of relationship sort of like Mm -hmm. that kind of allows each other to grow. Um, And that's exactly what happens here where, like like I said, um, Kurt allows her, by cutting her hair, symbolic of her growing, right? Um, And like haircuts are a big motif in the whole show. Um, but what's really what I, what I also like about this is that idea you know I keep talking about this idea of being far away and zooming in obviously when she cuts when he cuts her hair the camera zooms in and it's kind of like and it, but instead of them sort of like not enjoying instead of them not um, um, enjoy well actually um, Kurt seems to enjoy the fact that he's kind of cut her hair but um, Peggy's face is kind of horrified which kind of find kind of interesting, um, but again, it's it's a very simple symbolic scene of people being fearful of change, because she's looked that way the entire series. So she always wears her hair in that ponytail in the office. I don't think I've ever seen her not wear her hair in a ponytail true. in the yep. office. Yep. And it's that whole thing of, you know, it's all she's known. This is the life that she's known, and then actually, oh, she could be someone else. She could look a different way. She could be a Joan. Yeah. She can change. She can manipulate herself to appear more how. And she, but she, she, she looks so horrified because I think she looks so horrified, and we show they show that because she wouldn't have done that on her own. She needed no. someone else to help. Yeah, there to help her. So that's. But kind th- of... everyone does like there. There isn't a single character that does things on their own. It's true. Um, all right, we'll move on. Move on to the next scene. Don and Joy at the pool. This is we're almost finished now. We're almost near the end. And this is where this. Okay, so. Oh, go on. You you go first, and I'll sort of. I mean, I think this is the go. scene where I got the impression that the two massively misunderstand each other because okay. of the dad and two kids, yeah. who are an older boy and a younger girl, just like 
Don's own children. Yeah, okay. And he comes in and he's like, oh, we're really tired. And Don says, you can have Edward's room. And and he's like, okay, great. And then the girl's like, oh, I... I, I take it you don't you gave away our room I assume you don't want to sleep tonight whereas actually I think you know he he was being thoughtful he was being responsible yeah. and I think that's the thing that she doesn't have is she has no responsibilities she has no okay. reason to think of others her youthful mindset in that is she's interpreting it as him being like oh yeah I want to sh- I'll shag her in the pool all night but in his head he isn't saying that at all and I, I think like, when he looks at her he sees that's what he sees. He sees somebody who basically doesn't know how the real world is. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Because I didn't get that. <laughs> I didn't get. I didn't get what she said at the end of that. As like, I, I, I'm not saying I, I, I disagree. I, I, I think you're right. I just didn't notice it. I never noticed that she was flirting with him, and then they were just gonna spend the time shagging in the pool. That's really cool. But or maybe shagging someone else at the end. Maybe on that sofa. I don't know. Is she? Does she like swims off and then there's a. No, no, that's um, that's uh, that's her uh, dad, and um, oh, it's yeah. so weird. I, I like it, like flashed up, and I was like, did she just like swim over to some other bloke and then start knobbing him? I'm like, what the hell is going on in this place? Right, okay, I've got to go for. There's a lot of stuff in this thing that I want to talk about. So basically, um, the whole thing starts with um, uh, Joy talking about Lifeford Key, right? So Lifeford Key is the name of this island. It's really nice. But it's also the name, it's basically based on the name of a horse that this guy bought that, that was a thoroughbred. And the guy bought the horse because he thought it was going to be amazing and it wasn't and it had bad ankles. So he then went, okay, I'm just going to call this island Life of Key, right? That's one thing. Um, that's one symbolic thing in the thing. Um, and then there's this whole thing of like, um, this is kind of, so this this episode, this scene's about reality, really, reality hitting you in the face. And then there's this thing about joy um, she uh, at one point she she looks so desperate like to kind of like keep Don where he is. She tells him at one point you can be with anyone you want, and like you know it has two meanings. Like Don literally can be with anyone he wants, and she's also letting him be with anyone he wants, which kind of is a bit of a sad place to be. And I think you can see it in Don's face when she says that. Um, so that's the other thing. Um, there's also there's a, there's other things that I don't really want to go into because they're too complicated. But then. The thing you talk about with the kids, right? Mm. The kids turn up and Don Don gives his room away, and you, you and you're saying he gives the room away because you think um, it reminds him of his kids. Yeah, I think he sees a guy, a parent who's tired, and two kids that need sleep. Yeah, and he gives up the room. I think that's part of it, but I also think because the actual the camera kind of focuses on the boy. Mm-hmm. And I think when Don looks at that boy, remember this episode is about running away from things and sort of like not sort of running away from your past and all this kind of stuff. I think Don, like think about how this kid, this boy is being brought up in this weird bohemian sort of environment um, where there's no real sort of structure or anything. And I think when Don looks at the kid, he sees himself and he's like, I don't want to go back to that. And that makes up his mind to leave. That's when he makes up oh, his mind I to leave. Oh, I see. And yeah. he's like, I don't want to be... You can have it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that, that's what finally kind of like makes him go, I want to I wanna go. But then just to kind of nail the whole sort of theme thing again about like fear, you know, far away things and, and close things. 
the final thing we see, the final shot we see in that scene, is done in the pool by himself, and he looks at the the couple, you know, mommy and daddy kissing in the pool. <laughs> but they're all like, but they're quite far away, right? Mm. And he looks at them, and they look really happy. They're sort of like engulfed in each other, like sort of you know kissing and snogging and stuff, and God knows what else. But they look sort of like really, really, really happy. Uh, and they, but they're far away, right? And then he looks, and he's got this cup in his hand, and he looks, takes a close look at this cup. Oh in yeah, his hand. I thought that was a bit of a weird shot. And it's got a big crack in it, and it's like, oh, it's is imperfect. that? Did it? Okay, yeah. I didn't even notice the crack. I was like, I thought he was just really into the glassware <laughs> or something. <laughs> I like the the idea of the imperfection when you get close up to something and like everything. Uh, well, I mean, he's seen the weird, creepy imperfection. Surely, <laughs> we had by that point then. Yeah, far away look good, but up close, not so much. And then we have this really short but cool scene with Joan and uh, giving the wine to Duck. Um, gin, it's gin. Well, it's frock. Is it gin? Yes, it's oh, Tanqueray, it's, it's gin. gin. Oh, okay, okay. Sinjin, gin from Sinjin. Um, so the um, so for me, I've put this as like the theme being like people being nice to each other and stuff. Uh, but what did you think? What did you think about this scene, if anything? Literally, um, literally two scenes to go by the way i didn't have any thoughts about this scene really. okay well, i mean i think it's pretty bad that he was sent a case of gin when he's a exactly exactly but that's a massive thing right so the whole thing well, about... not really because he made out that he did drink so it's not really that shocking but then if you think about it in terms of the show and like how all these characters they have lots of money but they keep doing the same thing for more money or they have like wives, but they keep doing, they keep leaving their wives for more sex and stuff. He's done this. He's he's kind of like set up this whole weird thing. He doesn't want to drink, but he's being rewarded with alcohol. And then it's the whole, also the whole f- idea of the fact that he's now forced to be nice to Joan, and Joan's being nice to him not because they care about each other particularly, but because they want something. Joan brought that stuff to him because she knew that there was a chance you could get a free bollage out of it. And Smart he's, girl. he's been nice to her because he knows he's going to try and like completely destroy the company and he needs as many people. Well, that's why I think he needs as many people on his side as he possibly can. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like this weird fake scenario, which we all find ourselves in where, you know, in, in, in reality, we, we all have to kind of like do things that we don't particularly want to do in order to get things that we don't really want or we don't really need, but we kind of feel like we want in some way. And it's just kind of, I think, just symbolically, it's pretty cool. Hey, everyone. It's uh, Future Fola Part 3. Uh, this isn't essential, I guess, but um, it lets me complete my trilogy, so I thought I'd just do it anyway. Um, I just wanted to point out that at the beginning of this, at the beginning of this scene, uh, Joan enters Duck's office, uh, uh, presumably referencing... Duck's secretary, she says, Joyce seems to have stepped away. Um, and obviously, like I said, she's talking about uh, Duck's secretary, who must be called Joyce, I guess. But you could take it another way and see it as Joy seems to have stepped away, um, relating it to Don's previous scene, um, where I think part of that scene is the fact that all the stuff Don would be doing is he'd be going through the motions, especially when he looks at that boy and it's kind of like just 
it reminds him of his of his past um and i think in this scene we see joan and duck being really nice to each other but really it's all transactional and again they they're kind of going through the motions just to kind of like get something that they don't really care about i think that's how this scene uh, connects to the last scene so this kind of yeah I think all the scenes do this really they kind of connect to the last scene which is kind of why I like doing these uh, recaps in order um, so anyway I just thought I'd give that explanation so I could make finish my really bad joke um, also on that note uh, an update from the machines Arnie and Neo came through uh, they saved us we're okay as you can tell I wouldn't be talking to you otherwise uh, so that's good apart from the fact that now it's aliens and yeah um so i don't know what's gonna happen i guess we'll find out if we ever finally get around to doing uh, the next episode of uh <laughs> the, the old-fashioned breakdown i'm gonna stop now and, and leave you and uh hand you back to past me and helen and um hopefully you won't have to hear from me again until next time we do another podcast um bye everyone moving on to the next scene so this Okay, I said that we only had two scenes to go. This is the second to last scene. There's a lot to say in this scene. So of course this, there is. This is a bit where, so we see Pete return back to the office and they're all watching TV. Glossed over it. Right. Completely, completely glossed over it. He came in, he's like, yeah, I wouldn't want to live out there. You know, the people, blah, blah, blah. There's something different about your hair. Oh, okay. End scene. Right. That's okay. what I got from that. <laughs> Literally. That's brilliant. <laughs> so, so for me, this is kind of like the full stop to the whole episode, right? This is this is basically what the whole thing... This is why I wanted to do it in order. Because I think it, this whole episode builds up to this scene. And it's very, very subtle. Um, and it's basically about, again, it's, we've touched on it before, but it's about being your own boss and going your own way and doing your own thing. But it's pointed because they're watching this report on TV and it's basically about this guy called James H. Meredith, right? Mm. And James H. Meredith was the first African-American admitted into the University of Mississippi, right? So you know about this? But no, I remember. I just recalled it from what you just said. <clears throat> right. Okay. And and also this. Uh, I remember I mentioned earlier the Little Rock thing. Yeah. So that was kind of like a very similar situation, but this is the same situation, but it's just happened again. And I think it sort of it points to the fact that if you're going to be yourself, you might fail the first time, but keep sticking to it, and you'll get some good things out of it. This is why you shouldn't be chasing lots of different. Um, you know, money and sort of all that kind of stuff. Just do who you, just be who you are and you'll see good things come out of it. Because like this guy called James H. Meredith was like very, a very sort of independent thinker. Um, and he did lots of like, he did lots of stuff. Like he sort of organized this um, march uh, in 1966, like a solo march on his own. And he ended up getting shot um, on the march and like being injured. And because he got shot, all the, like, Initially, when he did the march, he wanted to do it on his own. And he said, like, to all the civil rights groups, just leave me alone. I want to do it on my own. I'm not really interested in anyone else coming with me. But when he got shot, all these other sort of civil rights um, uh, groups kind of did the march for him. 
And because of that, it got lots of um, exposure and stuff. And then lots of like black people in America voted and like sort of like registered to vote. Mm. And it's like really, really successful. All because he just wanted to do this thing on his own, right? Um, he sort of like, he went to this university and like kind of like, he's the first person there. And he sort of made a point because he'd seen the whole thing with Little Rock. He made a point of getting the American government to to, to sort of like ex- escort him into university again getting lots of like coverage and stuff and he's got but as things gone on as things went on he sort of like he became this conservative guy uh, which is weird because like you know it's, it's kind of like the conservatives like, i'm not going to get into the politics of that but it kind of shocked people um and um and he kind of like a lot of the people that tried to stop him from sort of marching and stuff and going into school he kind of backed them politically and stuff and it was all of it, it was all a bit weird and it's all the only reason i bring it up is because he's such uh he's not really doing it for anything anybody else other than himself and i kind of i think that's kind of what the point is and it's kind of like he's a very sort of he's his own person and he, and because of that he goes down in history as this person that helped to change America, which is kind of impressive. Um, and I think the rest of the scene basically is about all of these people kind of doing their own thing. You know, Peggy's kind of cut her head. Uh, 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 Pete is kind of, um, he's his own person now. And Kurt's a homo, as, um, as, 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 as Ken tells him. And the only people that don't change in that episode, in the scene are um, Ken and Harry. Um, and I find that interesting that they're the two sort of like heteronormative or whatever guys in the in the office, and they're the only people that don't change. Let's move on to the next scene, um, which is Duck trying to sell, trying to tell sell the idea of selling SNC to SNC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you? I guess you just glossed over this as so well. So Duck comes in, he sits down, he tells them his plan. Cooper goes, "That's the guy I was talking about, or I wanted." <laughs> yes. They all go, hurrah, Duck's evil scheme is on its way. Yeah, and I just kind of, that's basically, it's, uh, it's, it's, I think, you know, I was saying about how they change. I think in this scene, you see, I mean, I know he's a massive alcoholic now, but you also see Duck basically really going into this idea of help, in a way he's helping others. And that's kind of where he's finding his enjoyment, even though he's manipulating them and sort of like, he's basically enjoying the others. He's in, he's, it's the Jewish sons of the other, the female Jewish sons of like sort of like helping these two guys get on. But at the same time, there's a lot of male Jewish sons in there as well. And I think the final um, thing that Cooper says about allowing them to open the kimono to see. Oh, yeah, yeah. Think about kimonos. I, you know a lot about kimonos, right? Right. So uh, you, you're probably going to destroy my entire theory now, but like kimonos, they're not necessarily um, for men or women, right? They Both men and women. Correct. Can so that's what I think the point is, like, um, uh, Duck is both using, he's like flipping from male to female your songs at the same, across the whole scene, and he's like doing both. So he's like, he's really sort of focused on getting the promotion or whatever it is, but at the same time, he's using other people and sort of enjoying other people while he does it. So even though he's a massive alcoholic while he does it, there's a kind of, it's, a, it's like a subversion of like, of, of a happy ending. He's doing the, he's kind of doing the right thing even though he's alcoholic at the same time. It's, that's all, that's well, he's get, it's works. like all of them, though. He's getting what he wants, but he's paid a price for it. Yeah, yeah, there is that, I guess. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, I 
think that's it. And then I guess we, then we just see like Don. I mean, there's yeah, there's that he rings someone up and calls himself Dick Whitman. Mm-hmm. Um, says, I'd love to see you soon. So I think so. There's like well, his brother's dead. <clears throat> yep. I think his mother's dead. Mm-hmm. I think his dad's dead. Mm-hmm. So don't know who it is then. Well, I've got like so. I'm, it's only a short scene, but I've got a, like there's there's like a theme I attached to it, and that that theme is disavowed. There's like a whole bunch of things that like thing about um you know I was talking about perverts, right? Yep. The whole idea of being a pervert is um you disavow that you need something, and Don kind of I feel like by not staying where he is, he's kind of disavowing the people that he's with and sort of like moving on, like running away. And it's interesting. I don't know if you noticed this about the way it ends. But it ends with, you know, the opening shot of Don with his arm on the sofa, leaning back. You know, in the credits. Yeah. You know, when, when the whole The thing animated went, one. The animated credits, yeah. yeah. And Don's sitting there smoking with his arm on the thing, smoking. Yeah. That's how it ends in this episode. Don lying on that, sitting on that sofa with his arm on the okay. thing. It's exactly the same image, right? And it's kind of like him starting again. It's okay. like, so it's like he's been through this whole thing, like, you know, like the whole thing with the cities where you kind of go to one city, you try it out and it doesn't work. So you go to the next city. That's kind of like, it's like an episode. It's like you try one episode out and the end of the episode is like him. The next thing is like him sitting there with his arm ready to start. The, I'm just, <laughs> your eyes are glazing over, so I'm going to stop. Um... I mean, interesting observation. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and finally, he cuts the um, he cuts the the last page out of the the sound and the fury. And like I said, I the, couldn't read what he wrote. I can read. It. I think it was a a phone number or something. Um, <clears throat> but what's what, what, I didn't read the I didn't read the the passage either. But I know at the end of that book, um, like I said, the 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 maid. Um, is basically the ultimate winner in the book. She kind of like goes, gets all, gets all the inheritance and everything, but he tears out the end of the book, and it's almost like he does. Like, and to me, Don isn't ready to kind of like take on that sort of female side of himself yet, and that's why he's moving on. Um, and if you notice, he sort of picks up a blue phone, and the phone is kind of like. Actually, I'm not even going to talk about what the phone is because it means all kinds of stuff. But the fact that it's blue, it just opens him up to new things. Okay. Um, I mean, for me, he becomes Dick Whitman again because he's becoming that sort of nomad again. He's moving around. I mean, I don't know where he's going. You know more than I do, so. But okay. he's mm-hmm. doing that whole thing where he's like, he's returning to that side of his character. Interesting. Because he's like running about and Don Draper is... Uh, put on in a suit is in a suitcase on front of his house in upstate New York. Okay. Um, and okay. he's he's taking back on his former personality. I would say he's fairly schizophrenic. Okay, cool. But no, cool. I'm joking. He's not. He's just doesn't know who he is. Right. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna talk about the end credits song because I think it's a spoiler. Um, but yeah, I think we've done. We've done the episode. Oh my god! Didn't fall asleep. Good, well done, me. Um, two so excellent hours. research there, Fola. Thank you. Two hours and th- it did take me like the best part of the year. I mean, it has been a while. I know <laughs> there are those of you who may have been worried that we've given up the ghost, but you know, I don't. I, I think Fola's just been. I'm just bad at this. Well, he's not. He's just. He just. 
does a lot of research. A bit too much, yeah. Anyway, um... That's all that's left to say is... I can't remember what I say. Oh, yeah. Don't forget, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> Don't forget, everybody. Sopranos is even better. Well, it's not, but, you know, I've committed to it. What? I keep saying it. <laughs> you, oh, okay. I mean, everything's changing now. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.